Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 4th of September, year of our Lord, 2020. And what are you hearing? A microphone. That works. That I'm not in a well. That it's not cracking. I, I wanted to start the show with just the utmost sincerity of an apology. That is just horrible, man. That is some bad crap. And I so apologize for the last six podcasts or... Ever since I got the new computer, um, man, I went after the, I, I, I ran around the moon trying to figure out how to fucking fix the damn microphone, and it turned out it was one setting in audacity. Um, and call me a little goob, you know, I'm, I, I consider myself somewhat of a computer guy, um, but I, I totally had the wrong setting in audacity. On my old computer, you click MME and it worked just fine with a sound card and this new high-speed computer. That was your crack. It wasn't a cable. It wasn't the microphone. It was just the wrong setting. When I clicked it to Windows Direct Sound, boom, everything went back to normal. I did a two-hour bullshit podcast inserting, doing stuff, everything I ever do on a computer. I'm searching the internet at all and everything was fine. And so I left the computer on overnight because I've been unplugging it because of the, you know, the fear of getting hit by lightning again. And long story short, it's fine. So we're back in the saddle with a podcast that's at least going to be, you know, legible because it hasn't been. Um, And today's a good one. Um, We're going to do a little upfront, make it fun of some people. We're going to do the Pelosi gate. Got to do that. I got a great soundbite of uh, the actual owner, which I think is really good. And then we're going to do a violence section and a narrative section today. Um, It's very interesting. The amount of violence has totally gone down because the media is calling for it. And so has the uh, Democrats. But the best part about it is the simple fact that I've been saying since these started, who the fuck's paying for it? Tucker Carlson found out. He actually worked on it. It's like we think the same. And it's pretty sexy because it's what I thought it was. So what I'd like to start with is Seltzer because I think it's just classic. And I got to be quite honest. I can't remember if I played it on the last podcast. I don't think I did. But I know I was praising C-SPAN because they do a great job of having people talk. You know, I, I really kind of freaked out about C-SPAN. They're actually, you know, that that's one of the things I'm not covering today. But, you know... The three debate moderators, two of them are still, Welker's a total fucking hack. But the guy from C-SPAN, I went to his Twitter feed. It's a journalist feed. There's no bias. There's none. So that's pretty cool. So they let somebody call in because Seltzer was hawking his book. And this is just fucking epic. And you guys always talk about how many times Trump has lied. I've calculated that I think with your Chirons, with, you know, I don't know if there's any journalists left at CNN, 
But I know that, you know, if I were to estimate about 300 different, you know, distortions or misinformation that we get out of CNN, and you have to watch them in the airport, which is harsh, but if you added all that up to 46 months, it comes out to be 300,000-plus distortions of truth. So my thing is here is that you guys, this is how low you'll go, is that you went out and you made, you made lies and you, uh, you defamed a child. And then you had to settle out of court to pay this child for distorting information about this young individual. So I would say, you know, if anything that's happening at CNN and anybody who buys your book, it's really just one of those things that is dividing our nation. And I don't believe in dividing our nation. It hurts our great nation. And so CNN is really the enemy of the truth. And that's my opinion. Thank you. Brian Stelter. I, I'm grateful for the call. And I know that you're not the old person that feels this way. There has been a process of radicalization that's happened in this country with media bashing that is absolutely unprecedented. You know, 20, 30 years ago, conservatives talked about media bias, and there were some really valid points to that critique. Uh, it is absolutely true that lots of journalists are based in New York and Washington. They're based in big cities. They have liberal leanings. And ma mainstream newsrooms are, are built to make sure that that bias doesn't seep into the news coverage. And yet sometimes it does. I, I absolutely acknowledge that. I think it's different to talk about uh, things as if they're enemies. No American is an enemy of another American. No news outlet is an enemy of America. I think this is so fantastic because it shows we have no real journalism left. It just doesn't exist. And, and I doubt that dude's a Trump supporter. Everybody's sick of it. I mean... Fox, drudge these people. Drudge Report. Now that I said the word drudge, it's a liberal site now. All because you hate one president. It shows you never really believed in what you believed in to begin with. But on our media, eight years of Obama and you didn't fucking cover shit. And then you go totally oppositional party. It shows in the ratings. It shows on what they're doing now, from covering for protests to saying, "Hey, you gotta stop this shit now, buds." You know, we're we're on your team, but you gotta stop. And it leads perfectly into Pelosi, a person that has been setting the tenor of, "If you don't wear a mask, you're a fucking Nazi." She's the one that coined all conservative. Are finance, all conservative protests are financed in AstroTurf. And here she is getting caught. Before I play it, the first out of the gate, Washington Post. GOP slams Nancy Pelosi for her indoor haircut in San Francisco, where they're still banned. And somebody says, when a Republican screws up, that's a story. When a Democrat screws up, the Republican action is the story. This is all of it, including the actual salon owner, who, on the very end, you'll hear Pelosi blame. In security footage obtained by Fox News and timestamped Monday, 3.08 p.m. Pacific Time, an 80-year-old part-time Napa resident called Nancy Pelosi can be seen slinking through a San Francisco hair salon. She has wet hair. She is not wearing a mask. But she was indoors. 
she was almost alone because due to coronavirus regulations, salons in San Francisco are closed for indoor services. Nancy Pelosi went inside. She can do that because she is the Speaker of the House, third in line for the presidency. You cannot because you don't have as much power as Nancy Pelosi has. The owner of the salon, a woman called Erica Kios, was furious about this. She saw the unfairness of it. She told Fox News that Pelosi's trip was, quote, disturbing and a slap in the face to people who were not allowed to work because of Nancy Pelosi. Meanwhile, our media was angry, too, not at Nancy Pelosi, but at you for finding out it happened. Over at Politico, a reporter called Carla Marinucci was incensed by this. She tweeted, and we're quoting, have to ask, upon seeing this, is it legal in California, a two-party consent state, to videotape someone in a private home or business without their consent? So it was the salon owner's fault. Maybe it was the security camera's fault. It was definitely not Nancy Pelosi's fault. It was a setup. And if you follow Nancy Pelosi carefully, you're probably not surprised by that. After all, nothing matters more to Nancy Pelosi than cold, hard science. Observable facts are her lifeblood. If she hadn't been born into a powerful political family, she might have been our generation's Isaac Newton. That's why you can trust her when she says the president's stealing our mailboxes and it's not safe to vote in person. Nancy Pelosi knows what she's talking about. That's the principle that has guided her career for decades now. And in fact, if you watched MSNBC last night, you watched her point out, and this is true, that only bad people don't wear masks or stay socially distant. What further evidence does anyone need that this president didn't care less about the spread of this virus than to see what he did vandalizing, by the way, uh, the White House by bringing all those people there, no mask, no distancing, and the rest. He slapped science right in the face. And what a bad example that was. Donald Trump slapped science right in the face. And that's not easy, by the way, because science is a worthy opponent. Stings like a bee. But by that standard, and that is the standard now, Nancy Pelosi didn't simply slap science in the face yesterday. No. By not wearing a mask and sneaking into a hair salon others are banned from entering, Nancy Pelosi did something worse. Nancy Pelosi drowned science in a $12 a pint designer ice cream cup. She crushed science with her $20,000 Sub-Zero freezer. And then she ripped science apart like a State of the Union address. And she did it all on camera. Good afternoon, everyone. Two briefings ago, I asked, where is Nancy Pelosi? Today, I can announce we have found Nancy Pelosi. Um, as you can see, we found Nancy Pelosi going into her hair salon. We will be playing the video on loop for all of you to see during the duration of this introduction. Nancy Pelosi was not in the halls of Congress when I asked where she was. She was not working in good faith to make a deal for the American people. Nope, Nancy Pelosi was found in San Francisco at a hair salon where she was indoors, even though salons in California are not only open for outdoor service. Apparently, the rules do not apply to Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She wants small businesses to stay shut down, but only reopen for her convenience. Do as I say, not as I do, says Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is holding up $1.3 trillion in relief for the American people while getting special access to the very kind of small businesses that this money would support, businesses like this hair salon. 
Before she skipped town to violate her state's health guidelines, Pelosi proposed a bill. It was called the HEROES Act, which contained no additional paycheck protection funding. This is funding that would help the very small business she has bizarrely accused of plotting against her. The president sees through Democrats' disregard for Americans in need, and he took action unilaterally in his own accord. Uh, he provided relief from evictions. He provided unemployment insurance. He paused student loan payments, and he cut the payroll tax, putting money in the American people's pockets. Congress also failed to authorize funding to provide children with free lunches for the 2020-2021 school year. And again, President Trump, with senior advisor Ivanka Trump, took action. And now USDA has extended a summer program which will ensure children continue to have access to free meals through the end of the year. Nancy Pelosi is demanding an apology from a single mother and small business owner who has received threats since Nancy Pelosi's comments against her salon. Salon owner Erica Kayas said this, since this happened, I've received nothing but hate text messages, death threats, saying they're going to burn down my hair salon. It's just sad that my community is pulling this, saying that I threw her under the bus when I did not. So that's hurtful. Uh, but yes, I think I'm pretty much done now. Nancy Pelosi, you ought to apologize to the American people. Or better yet, come back to Washington and get to work for hardworking Americans like this salon owner that you maligned and demanded an apology from. And with that, I'll take questions. Tonight, we want to introduce you to the woman Nancy Pelosi is blaming. Erica Kayas owns the now famous salon in San Francisco, and she joins us tonight. Erica, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so, so much for having me. Nancy Pelosi claims on camera that you orchestrated a, quote, setup to entrap her into getting her hair blown out without a mask. Did you? No. Absolutely not. How would you have done that? I mean, can you prove that this wasn't a diabolical setup designed to bring down the Speaker of the House by blow drying her hair? I, she had called the stylist and had, or her assistant did and made the appointment. So yes. the appointment was already booked. So there's no way I could have set that up. And I've had a camera system in there for five years. I mean, I didn't go in there and turn cameras on as soon as she walked in to set her up. So that's absolutely false. So Pelosi says that salons in San Francisco, and of course she lives there and she is the most powerful Democratic legislator in yeah. the world, but she says she understood that the restrictions allowed a one-on-one -on -one appointment in salons. What do you make of that? I heard that and I thought to myself, well, as a hairstylist, I see clients one-on-one. -on -one, so that would mean I would be open, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, pardon, start, sorry to laugh. Yes, that, it would mean sorry, that. Are, yes. you, are you open? No. What is that doing to you in your business? <sighs> um, for the past six months, we've, I mean, we're pretty much done. Hmm. I mean, we've lost um, at least 60% of our clients. Um, I've lost the majority of my staff. Um, so, you know, six months is a long time to be closed down. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's too long. Uh, yeah. so your business has been destroyed by this. How yeah. do you, how do you feel about seeing the most powerful woman in America come into your salon in violation of the rules she supports, get caught and then blame you for it? To be honest, it was more hurtful. Um, she's been coming in for quite a while and, 
just to see her come in and especially not wearing the mask. That's what really got to me. But, yes. you know, this isn't even political. I mean, she's been coming in there. It's the fact that she actually came in and didn't have a mask on. And I just thought about, you know, my staff and people not being able to work and make money and provide for their families. And if she's in there comfortably without a mask and feeling safe, then why are we shut down? Why am I not able to have clients come in? So well, that, it's been it's been hard. You're not making a political point. You're making a human point rooted in common sense. And what do you think? I don't know what the answer is. What do you think the answer is? Why can't if Nancy Pelosi feels comfortable using your salon, why can't civilians use it? Exactly. And I'll be honest, in our area in San Francisco, I mean, we're obviously the last um, county or city to uh, not open. Um, we've been trying to figure that out. We've been asking ourselves these questions for six months. I mean, for the past actually four months um, of why we are not reopened. Um, and that's kind of a good question. We, again, don't know. Huh. What are you going to do? Are you going to stay in the city, do you think, in San Francisco? Um, I don't think so. I, um, the hard part of all this is that I have been in that community for 12 years. And since this happened, I have received um, nothing but hate uh, text messages, death threats. Um, they, they're going to burn my hair salon down. My Yelp page is just unbelievable um, with bad reviews. Um, it's just, um, it's sad that my community um, is pulling this when they're saying that I threw her under the bus when I, I didn't. Um, so that's hurtful. But I think, yeah, I think I'm pretty much done there. So, yeah. Well, I think that's one of the most heartbreaking stories I've heard in a long time, a long time. And I just want to restate for the people who are, hating you for telling the truth. I, I don't consider this political. You don't seem like a political person. Um, and I'm just sorry that this is happening to you. Erica, thank you for coming yeah. on tonight. Thank you. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is caught on video getting her hair done indoors, violating San Francisco restrictions. Tonight, why she says she was set up. He hammered House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Twitter for getting her hair done inside a San Francisco salon and without a mask. As seen here, violating the city's COVID rules. Pelosi said the salon told her she could be inside. They said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time. I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. Back now with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, accused of a double standard. Speaker Pelosi seen getting her hair done inside a salon in San Francisco despite COVID restrictions keeping them closed. The owner releasing the video, Pelosi calling it a setup, saying the stylist told her it was legal. It was clearly a setup. I take responsibility for falling for a setup by a neighborhood salon that I've gone to for years. Critics say Pelosi getting her hair done while businesses are closed is an insult to struggling owners. The salon wasn't following the rules. Even though indoor services are allowed by the state of California, the city of San Francisco only started allowing any hair appointments on Tuesday, and they must be outdoors. Shampooing isn't allowed, and masks are required. Pelosi was pictured without one. I just had my hair washed. I don't wear a mask when I'm washing my hair. Do you wear a mask when you're washing your hair? I always have a mask. I always have a mask. Republicans accusing Pelosi of hypocrisy. 
They preach to the American people that it should be one way, and yet in private, when the cameras are not rolling, and in this case, I guess the cameras were rolling, it shows a very different story. And President Trump tweeting, quote, Pelosi is being decimated for having a beauty parlor opened when all up. Fucking media is just garbage. I mean, for fuck's sake, they have run nothing but pictures of randos at lakes and doing things and Trump, oh, Trump's not wearing a mask. I mean, the, they were so lockstep. Dylan Byers from NBC. Well, first of all, some random, I don't know who she is, uh, journalist, literally was the first of many on the left to question if it was legal to do release that tape. Because California is a two-party consent ta- state. Now... Do you remember fucking 47% boys and girls for fuck's sake? Some dude illegally taped fucking Mitt Romney and it was a campaign in 2012. The media played it 180 times. Romney lost. But they questioned that. And then they questioned people actually doing Op-eds. The op-ed in question that Dylan Byers from NBC is upset with is Nancy Pelosi is one of the, if not the smartest political strategists in the Democratic Party. As such, she knows that appearance matter in politics a lot, which is why her decisions have to be spot on. Analysis. Nancy Pelosi just handed Trump campaign a gift. So Dylan Byers, America is beset by internal problems, external threats. We face severe political and cultural tensions, a global pandemic, and threats for foreign adversaries. But I, for one, believe there is no issue so pressing today as a legislator visiting a San Francisco hair salon. I mean, seriously, what the fuck is this? Do you know what would happen to a Republican if they did that? Do you know what would happen to a Republican if you wore blackface? You know what happened to, oh, you already do know those things. Because you little twat bash people for doing that. Replies, you and Nancy are still getting a paycheck hack. It's a huge fucking deal to a salon owner and a hairstylist whose business and livelihood have been destroyed. And suddenly overnight after Nancy gets caught, we're being told salons are safe to reopen. Party of science. Molly Hemingway, senior, senior media reporter at NBC, thinks draconian government mandates destroying small businesses and the leaders flouting of rules that others are having their lives and business destroyed over are silly little nothing stories. Of course. You heard just one of many. Oh, it's, just, it's a nothing burger. Tal Coplin, Pelosi addresses Monday's salon incident. I take responsibility for trusting the word of the neighborhood salon that I've been to many times. I was It was a setup, and I take responsibility for falling for setup. I think the salon owes me an apology. You heard the soundbite from Tucker Carlson. He's the only person that actually talked to the lady. Jesus fucking Christ. She is getting fucking death threats from Democrats because she did the right thing. And if you listened, she sure the fuck didn't sound like a Trump supporter. Brian Fallon, plus is on camera every day as the most powerful woman in the country. Her getting heat for getting her hair done is the latest example of double standards for female elected. Ah, there it is. You knew it. You fucking knew it. Gnome Bloom, broke, it's the hair salon fault. Woke, it's the patriarchy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that that's that's it. Yeah, exactly. And then there's Cuomo, which I was going to do 
after seltzer, but I wanted to break up the CNN. It's a it's a, wor- a, a worry of the space time continuum of you to put two CNN people side by side. You could break your fucking computer podcast, the world itself. Then there was the video that got caught by the Tucker Carlson show of Chris Cuomo talking about those sorry skanks that actually gave him grief because he harassed him. Well, you remember Michael Cohen. He was a lawyer in New York. He was once the president's lawyer. A couple of years ago, Michael Cohen was indicted for tax evasion, among other things, and he went to prison. When the topic of Michael Cohen comes up, the one thing everyone who knows Michael Cohen can agree on, the one thing is that he's a sleazeball. Not a minor sleazeball, but an epic sleazeball, a Hollywood-level sleazeball. If they ever make Sleazeball the movie, Michael Cohen will play the lead, and he'll be in every sequel, too. He'll have to be. He was born for that role. So it's interesting to note that among Michael Cohen's close personal friends is an anchor on the cable news network. And not just any CNN anchor, but the CNN anchor given to the most overheated possible moral lectures. The first guy on that channel to invoke God himself and the Blessed Mother, if necessary, as he scolds you for not living up to his high ethical standards. That man's name is Christopher Charles Cuomo, son of one governor, brother of another, Yale graduate, weightlifter, deeply good person. And also, we now learn, a buddy of Michael Cohen's. We know this because we have an audio tape of a conversation between the two men. Apparently, there are many tapes like this. But tonight, we're going to play you just a portion of one. Before you listen to this, try to remember what Chris Cuomo sounds like when you watch him on television. You've seen him. Admit it. Then compare that version, that memory, the official morally inflated Chris Cuomo, to the guy you hear in this recording. Here you go. You know, I'm always careful when I talk to media, you know? Right. Do you know how many phone calls I've gotten from people at ABC who say that reporters are calling and lying about things they heard about me to try to get stories about me when I was at ABC? Guys calling and saying, I heard he was the Charlie Rose of ABC, used to invite women to the hotel and open his uh, bathroom. Do I look like the kind of guy who's got to do that? Sure, why not? Um, but you're so lying. So, so I already now. have a good source that says that he forced one woman to have sex. I just want to know if you've ever heard anything like that. There is no woman. Right. There is none of that. So here's the problem. Women who do work there saying, oh, yeah, you know, some of these men, and, and naming me with other guys, you know, we bumped into each other once in the elevator, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he made me really uncomfortable. I mean, what the f***? It's, it's, it's a problem. And now you So I'm sure. careful with the media always. Right. I've always told you the media is not your friend. No. Whoa, well, there's a lot to unpack here. But the first thing you notice is that Chris Cohen was agitated. He's mad, really mad. And you know what makes him maddest of all? The suggestion that he's got to act like some old guy, Charlie Rose, to get the ladies. Sandbagging women in hotel rooms with an open bathrobe. Do I look like the kind of effing guy who's got to do that? He asks his pal Michael Cohen. Cohen's response, sure, why not? Open bathrobes seem normal to Michael Cohen. But Chris Cuomo disagrees. Chris Cuomo doesn't need cheesy tricks like that. Chris Cuomo is on television. Chris Cuomo could bench press your Subaru. Open bathrobes are for losers. Chris Cuomo is not a loser. But you know who is a loser? Big time? All those women who keep accusing Chris Cuomo of sexual harassment. They claim he bothered them in elevators. Now, if women made those claims against you, Chris Cuomo might very well denounce you on his TV show. Call for your firing. Call for your banishment from decent society. These are women making the charges, after all. You must believe women. Women's voices must be heard. Me too and all that. 
But that is not what Chris Cuomo tells his friend Michael Cohen, not even close. You get the sense as you listen that neither one of these guys is a big feminist. When Chris and Michael get together, they can let their hair down and be themselves. So Chris spares Michael the Me Too lecture. He doesn't say anything about women's voices, nothing flattering anyway. Instead, he says, and we're quoting here, I mean, what the F? In other words, these girls, they're crazy. All of them want a piece of Chris Cuomo. Maybe some of them want to get bench pressed, if you know what I mean. So they're making up these crazy lies, you know, like women do. Hormones, probably. But Michael Cohen is not convinced by this explanation. Even Michael Cohen takes women more seriously than that. Well, it's a problem, Cohen begins to say, but Chris Cuomo cuts him off. When you're talking to Chris Cuomo, you don't actually get to talk much. So unfortunately, we never learn who are all these women who claim they've been sexually harassed by Chris Cuomo. What are their names? Have they received financial settlements from CNN or ABC? Well, we asked those questions yesterday to CNN. We sent them the tape you just heard. We sent it to someone at the PR department called Matt Dornick, as well as to that weird kid who hosts the media show. They didn't respond. Was their reaction the same as Chris Cuomo's? I mean, what the F? We could only guess. Maybe they think women are crazy, too. Chris Cuomo hasn't called us either, and you can see why. We work in the media. And if there's one thing that Chris Cuomo hates, it's the media. Though, obviously, he defends the media night after night on his show, but he doesn't mean it, not at all. As he told his old pal Michael Cohen more than once, I've always told you, the media is not your friend. Actually, we're starting to like Chris Cuomo. They're fucking hypocrites. Hypocrites. Which sets us up great for the 21 going postal. Panicked about President Trump going postal, but fine with peaceful protest. I'm not playing them. I'm playing them most. 21, out of touch and exasperated. Why on earth does the president poll well when it comes to the economy and crime? We're in a crisis, Stephanie Rule. Uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, the new Russia hoax. We played it. Trump going postal on election. In 2016, Trump relied on foreign help and voter suppression to help him squeak by Hillary. This year, he's literally going postal to do the same thing against Joe Biden. Donald Trump is actively working to ensure that your vote won't go through. Joy Reid. we got a whole section on it today. Mika meltdown was number 18. Mail-in ballots make Trump literally bull Connor. Uh, Judy Woodworth. Uh, Joe Scarborough. Cranks and Misfits could easily describe... Ladies and gentlemen, your 2020 Republican National Convention, a bizarre collection of alternative facts and alternative realities told by cranks and misfits. Washington Post story brought to you by your friends in communist China. Trump views China Communist Party as a threat. Young Chinese see it as a ticket to a better future. NRA hate from Laura Coates. We did it. Number 13, take the car keys from Donald Trump. We covered it. Brian Seltzer. Number 12, time to remove the fundamental threat to our country. Donald Trump. Eddie Gold, we played it. Number 11, Trump has turned American into an S show. Uh, Brian, uh, Richard Stingle, we played that one. 10, CNN doesn't seem to understand what the word peaceful. Fiery, but mostly peaceful. Yeah, we covered it. Trump wants to be seen as a killer by his violent voting base. San Diego reporter Gene Guerrero. Uh, admit it, Trump cloaked America in darkness. Tony DeCapul. Just say it, Mr. Congressman, the president have hate in his heart for black people. That was Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon and Clyburn on uh, our number seven. Our number six, sir, when did you stop beating your wife? Mr. President, after three and a half years, do you regret at all the lying? 
We played it. Number five, one in three Americas trust Trump because they're racist, Donnie Doach. We played it. Number four, looking forward to watching police drag Donald out of there. Uh, CNN political analyst and radio host April Ryan. Yeah. Herman Cain was Trump's fault. That was Allison Camerata. Voting for Trump is suicidal, Jim Skudo. Vile, black speakers at RNC are a minstrel show. That was Tiffany Cross. We we covered it. But most of them didn't cover Cuomo. Trump better have an army to protect him if he comes to NYC. Trump tweeting, my administration will do everything in its power to prevent weak mayors and lawless cities from taking federal dollars while they let anarchists harm people, burn buildings and ruin lives and businesses. We're putting them on notice today. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo outraged, calling it a political stunt. He better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. He can't have enough bodyguards to walk through New York City. New York Governor Cuomo called the move an illegal stunt and said the president is no longer welcome in the Big Apple. Forget bodyguards. He better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. Extraordinary attack. President Trump threatening to cut off federal funding to Democrat-led cities, including New York and Portland, after months of protest. Governor Cuomo firing back at the president. He better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. You know what would happen if somebody said that about Obama? Sweet Jesus on a popsicle stick. That would go so bad. Governor Cuomo on Wednesday all but threatened Trump's safety if he returns to New York City in a rant responding to an exclusive story in the Post that Trump is looking to pull federal funds from lawless lawless cities. Cuomo called an emergency press briefing with a half hour on Wednesday night to tear into Trump for the order, which cites New York uh, rising murder rate and defunding of NYPD. He better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. New Yorkers don't want to have anything to do with them. Yeah, the people that are left are all protesters. I'm not reading all this thread. It's just, it's fucking horrible. They're doing it as they always do it to scare you. At this point, I was going to play the most important video again of Pelosi, Booker, everybody threatening you. I don't need to because now there's a new Washington Post perspective. The election will likely spark violence and a constitutional crisis. In every scenario except a Biden landslide, our simulation ended in catastrophe. Summers reply, give me what you want, I will violently attack you. Here's part of the article. We wanted to know what's the worst thing that could happen to our country during the presidential election. President Trump has broken countless norms and ignored countless laws during his time in office. And my colleague and I at the Transition Integrity Project didn't want to lie awake at night contemplating the ways that an American experiment could fail. We realized that identifying the most serious risk to our democracy might be the best way to avert a November disaster. So we built a series of war games, sought out some of our most accomplished Republicans, never Trumpers, Democrats and civil servants, media experts, pollsters and strategists around, and asked them to imagine what they do in the range of election scenarios. A landslide for Joe Biden resulted in readily orderly transfer of power. 
every other scenario we looked at involves street-level violence and political crisis. Picture this. On the morning of Election Day, false stories appear online claiming that Biden has been hospitalized with a life-threatening heart attack and the election had been delayed. Every mainstream news organization reports that the rumors are unfounded, but many Biden supporters, confused by the bogus claims, stay home. Still by late that night, most major networks have called the election for Biden. The former vice president has won key states and has a slender lead, a national popular vote, and polling experts predict that it lead will grow substantially as western states count on usually high numbers of mail-in ballots. The electoral college looks secure for Biden, too. But Trump refuses to concede, alleging, uh, alleging an election of millions of illegal aliens and dead people have voted in large accounts. That's their first thing off the gate. I'm going to scan through this because most of it, I, I got the whole thing. Um, with the exception of a big Biden win scenario, each of our exercises reached brink of catastrophe with massive disinformation campaigns, violence in the streets, and a constitutional impasse. Let's stop for a second. We've already had a massive disinformation campaign. Russia, that was massive disinformation. Mostly peaceful protests. I mean, violence in the streets. We've had violence in the streets since you guys falsely accused the cops of killing a guy who took a lethal dose of fentanyl-laced methamphetamines and swallowed it so he wouldn't get arrested for it. We were already there. What are you talking about? In two scenarios, Trump win and extend uncertainty. There was still no agreement on the winner by Inauguration Day and no consensus on which candidates should be assumed to have the ability to issue binding commands to the military or receive the nuclear codes. In the narrow Biden win scenario, Trump refused to leave office. For obvious reasons, we couldn't ask Trump or Biden or the campaign aides to play themselves in these exercises, so we did the next best thing. We recruited participants with similar backgrounds. They all hate Trump. In every exercise, both teams sought to mobilize their supporters to take to the streets. Team Biden repeatedly called for peaceful protest, while Team Trump encouraged provocateurs to incite violence. And I'm done. I won't read anymore. This goes on forever. I will read the ending. This is the ending of this piece. This is all made to scare... Hey, you must vote for Biden. If you don't vote for Biden... You're going to get killed because we, we've been lying. We, we know these BLM and Antifa protesters are going to do what Bernie Sanders says and burn down the fucking country. We've been lying to you just to protect them because we knew it was going to hurt Biden and it's really hurting Biden now. So now we're just going to say, hey, listen, if you don't do what we want you to do, we're going to sick the dogs on the burbs. They're going to go to the burbs, not the cities, and you're going to get raped, shot and murdered and then stabbed and raped and shot again. They're inning. Finally, ordinary citizens can help too, perhaps most of all. As the jurist learned hand said in 1944, liberty lies in the heart of men and women. 1944. Do you think there's a reason for that? When it dies, there's no constitution, no law, no court can save it. While it lies there, it needs no constitution, no law, no court can save it. This is true now as it was then. When people unite to demand democracy and the rule of law, even repressive regimes can be stopped in their tracks. Mass mobilization is no guarantee that our democracy will survive, but if things go as badly as our exercises suggest, they might. A sustained nonviolent protest movement may be in America's best and final hope.
So what they're saying is, if you protest as a non-prog, that's violence. But when the real violent people go out and protest, that's not violence. Okay. And this is why they're doing this. Axios. New, a top Democratic data firm, hawkish warns that it's highly likely that Trump will appear to be way ahead on election night but could ultimately lose when all the votes are counted in the ensuing days and weeks. It's done by Bloomberg. Emerald Robinson. Here's a pre-warning that Democrats plan on ballot harvesting. And this is the next part. Fox News buries CNN and MSNBC. They're seeing it. They're just seeing this. A summer began slowly winding down last month. The Fox News Channel continued streak of attracting the highest August primetime ratings in history while surpassing all broadcasts of cable news networks and total viewers. Two reasons for the boost were the Fox News Channel four-day average viewership for the Republican National Convention and records rating for Hannity Weekend Program. According to an article posted on Tuesday by Brian Flood, a media reporter for cable news, viewers flocked to Fox for the latest information during the jam-packed month. Meanwhile, CNN... The Home and Garden Channel, The Learning Channel, Turner Network Channel, ESPN, Hallmark Channel, the Turner Broadcasting System, and the History Channel rounded out the top ten. Of course, it came as no surprise that CNN's most-watched program was Como, which averaged 1.5 million viewers to finish number 21 slot. Chris Cuomo finished behind 13 Fox News programs and 7 MSDNC. They're seeing the numbers and they realize everything's turning against them because of what they've done. Fox has won for 50 straight months and averages 2 million total day viewers. The best MSNBC can do is 1.1 million. And why? Because they overplayed their fucking hand. Here's Drew Holden. I'm doing him twice today because he's so good at this. There are many troubling differences in how the media covers partisan issues, but I'm stunned at recent coverage of political violence. At left, you have a complicated case alleged self-defense. At right, a cold-blooded murder. The other variables, politics. CNN, he just just justified murder. Fox News host Tucker Carlson suggests it's not surprising that a teenager arrested in connection shooting allegedly took up arms and tried to maintain order. To the right, a person was shot and killed in downtown Portland Saturday night after an evening of violent clashes between Trump supporters and protesters denouncing police brutality. They were not denouncing police brutality. They were attacking Trump supporters. Which, by the way, that murderer is still on the street. The guy on the left's in a fucking jail cell. You likely already know the backstories involving, but at the left is the Kenosha shooter, which claimed, which killed the accused, a Trump supporter, has claimed self-defense. At right, a member of Antifa is accused of killing a man for being a Trump supporter. But don't tell NPR. President Trump declines to condemn the action of suspected 17-year-old shooter. In one of the several tweets this morning, President Trump threatened to take unspecified action in Portland after Saturday's clashes between caravan of Trump supporters and BLM demonstrators, which left one person dead. 
He just died of a heart attack or flying rocks that fell from space. He was murdered. They know he was murdered. Then we have Yamachi push the same narrative without evidence as if Rittenhouse had walked up to protests and started randomly firing. But on Portland, Yamashi goes silent. What you can see the president is doing is doubling down and really going to the part of his base that think that it's okay for 17-year-olds to shoot people. On the right, President Trump doubled down a strategy every city in the country could be a, a Portland or Chicago. He enables that violence and result of left-wing indoctrination in schools and others. President Trump is again attacking Democrats and saying Portland, Oregon is utter siege. He searched these people. You can't find them denounce the murder of a Trump supporter. New York Times went out of the way to demonize the shooter in Kenosha while simultaneously both citing the clash in Portland. Absent this tweet is the fact that in the latter, a Trump supporter was targeted and executed for visibly being one. Suspect in Kenosha killing lionized the police. Breaking news, a man was fatally shot at a caravan of Trump supporters drove through Portland for a pro-Trump rally and clashed with counter-protesters. It just happened. Shit happens. Even did they did an interview about how the, the blank side that had just shot a political opponent for no apparent reason felt unsafe because of the same group they had just shot and killed a member of. The right-wing group increasingly moved to confront protesters in U.S. cities. Demonstrators are assessing how to keep themselves safe. Really think about that statement. A lot of listens out in California. Think about that statement. Are your eyes lying? Is BLM looting, beating, and killing people? Is Antifa on the streets of Portland killing people? This isn't the first death in Portland. The dude on the street corner kicked in the face. Do we remember? That was Portland. That was in May. They have to keep themselves safe. A vehicle caravan went into Portland and got accosted. They then hunted down and shot somebody. We have another kid getting beaten for being a Trump supporter today in our violence section. It's like two realities. This is why we started Trump's presidency. False. He's in a different reality. Uh, Fake statistics. Right off the bat at his inauguration. And then for fucking four years, the media has done a totally different reality. Russia, bullshit. Protests are peaceful. Then they go to fiery but peaceful. He continues. I know I started with them, but once for CNN, we got massive voice for a murder in Portland, and it's Trump who's the bad guy in it all. But the guy in Kenosha after attacking a man with a skateboard is a hero. Anthony Huber, 26, was among the victims killed in shooting at protests in Kenosha. His girlfriend says he launched at the armed individual to protect her and the people nearby. He did a heroic thing. I condemn violence of every kind by everyone, whether on the left or the right, and I challenge Donald Trump to do the same. Joe Biden forcefully condemns the violent protests that took a life in Portland. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. First time. WAPO, 
with a reminder that news analysts should be struck from the face of the earth. They did the same absent attribution, both sideism about the Portland shooting. Something tells me that if it were a Biden supporter shot dead, that detail would be in the tweet. Analysis, the inescapable echoes between Trump campaign rhetoric and the death of a protester in Kenosha. One person shot dead in Portland following clashes because of pro-Trump supporters. That's basically what their headline says. AP readers are left to wonder who died as a result of a pro-Trump rally to hear it from them. But Trump's comments about Rittenhouse are worth the fact-checking. Something tells me we don't get a fact-check for Portland. AP fact-check looks at President Trump's claim about the fatal shooting of two men in Kenosha. Breaking one person is shot and killed in Portland as a large caravan of Trump supporters. MSNBC went to work on this. In Kenosha, they see the ever-present white supremacy. In Portland, I shit you not, they said that a pro-Trump demonstration appeared to contribute to violent clashes in the city. Could the victim blaming be more egregious? There's no legal explanation for it. There's a cultural and political one. Former federal prosecutor Paul Butler says as why police didn't stop the Kenosha shooting suspect. President Trump praises pro-Trump caravan of activists who moved into Portland, Oregon on Saturday and whose presence appeared to contribute to violent clashes, which have been fucking happening for over 110 days. They're running out of reasons to support these wahoos. Then you got Joanne Reed, who said Kenosha Shooter acted like he had a power of life and death over anyone. Still no follow-up on Portland. Everything about the vigilante shooting Kenosha is infuriating, but among the most galling is how benign the shooter was treated by police. There are the, these are the enemies of American people and destroyers of federal property who build bar justified tear gassing. Here's an older Joanne Reed tweet. Let me repeat this for those inventing the idea Black Lives Matter riots. BLM doesn't riot. They march against police violence and note that those caught setting fires, assaulting, and shooting people are constantly of the right. Remember, she came up with alt-right. CBS News. Fire Tucker Carlson now was trending on Twitter after the Fox News shooter offered excuses to the action of Kenosha shooting suspect. After a person was shot and killed amid protests in Portland on Saturday, the mayor, Ted Wheeler, pleaded for the end of the violence and slammed Trump. Anna Presley asserted without evidence that the shooter in Kenosha was a white supremacist, and we covered it. Joe Biden did the same thing, essentially blaming Trump supporter for his own murder. Tonight, Trump declined to rebuke violence. He wouldn't even repudiate one of his supporters who charged with murder. He is too weak, too scared of hatred. He has stirred to put an end to it. Holy crap. Brian just said Aaron J. Danielson, the Trump supporter, was killed in Portland, was there inciting a response. Chris Murphy. What the president is doing is, frankly, send a clear message to others. Says Senator Murphy says President Trump appearing to defend teen charge with killing. Chris Murphy grew up 15 mi- minutes from here 
but have never crossed the Arrington Bridge in Portland Middletown by foot. I got to do it this morning. Yeah. There are more legislators, but I'm short on space. Here's Representative Don Byer doing the same as Murphy, just with Kellyanne Conway as a subject. Still nothing about Portland. Why are Democrats silent on politically motivated murder in Portland? Kellyanne Conway says the murder of two peaceful protesters, Kenosha, by one of President Trump's supporters, will benefit Trump politically. And then he runs on. Max Boot. Joe Biden consistently condemns violence while praising peaceful protests. By contrast, Trump instigates violence and won't condemn right-wing terrorists like the alleged shooter in Kenosha. Trump supporters drove into Portland and started a clash with BLM protesters. One person was killed. Trump's reaction? Great patriots in support of the pro-Trump agitators who instigated the violence. Reverend Al, it is the epitome of an insult to the intelligence of the American people, Reverend Al says, discussing President Trump's account of what occurred in Kenosha. More on the deadly violence in Portland and underlying calls to stop the violence from Joe Biden. <laughs> Jennifer Rubin, we have a pandemic of white supremacist rhetoric and generation or veneration of the Confederacy, a string of killings of unarmed black men, and now Kenosha. The notion that the chief executive is helpless bystander effectively indicts Trump. It does not absolve him of responsibility. He gassed peaceful protesters and sends troops in Portland to give or to start racial animus. And then there's me, Herder, Hassan. Democrats are crazy if they don't go after Trump over the violent supporters and far-right domestic terrorists between now and November. They cannot allow him and his party and both side media to frame them as a pro-violence party when Trump is inciting terror and malicious. Think about how bonkers it is that a president employed multiple convicted criminals incited violence and multiple allies and has had its supporters and fans arrested for murder in Charlottesville, Kenosha, and beyond is putting the Dems on the defensive. The man who was shot and killed was wearing a hat with the insignia of Patriot Prayer, a far-right group based in Portland that has clashed with protesters in the past, just when you thought things could not get worse. And then Pod Saves America had big thoughts, as usual. Trump's defense was to point out something obvious. Rittenhouse would be dead but for his last two shots. To the bros, the problem is Portland. You guessed it. Trump. On the stream, Trump cheers of violent supporters in Kenosha and Portland. Biden's speech in PA, COVID outbreak, and college campuses get worse and more. Don't wait to get involved in 2020 election. Go to VoteAmerica.com. The media has been so one-sided on this. They interviewed the man who's still walking the streets, who executed a person for being a Trump supporter. And it takes Tucker Carlson, and I hate using him, but he's the only one covering it, to bring on a person that was there to say, it's all a fucking lie. Let's listen to it as we go into our violent left. Don't 
The biggest terror threat in this country is right wing. Most of them radicalized right to the right. All punches are not equal morally. Portland, Oregon, Saturday night, a man identified as Michael Forrest Reinall apparently murdered a Trump supporter called Aaron J. Danielson. Reinall, who has a BLM tattoo on his neck, a closed fist, just in case you're wondering what side he was on apparently opened fire after someone called out Danielson's location. Here's video of what happened. So, people on the internet almost immediately identified Reinald long before the authorities seemed to. Police later confirmed he is the main suspect in all of this. But he has not been arrested. He is still out there somewhere. What's interesting, a week later, is that he's giving interviews to the media. Here's one he gave to Vice from an undisclosed location. Watch. I feel it's important that the world at least gets a little bit of what's really going on because there's been a lot of propaganda put out there. I had no choice. I mean, I, I, I had a choice. I could have sat there and watched them kill a friend of mine of color. But I wasn't going to do that. Wait a second. Did that guy just admit to murdering someone on TV? Where the hell are the authorities? What is going on? Chandler Pappas was there when it happened. He was a close friend of Aaron J. Danielson's. He was standing right there when he was murdered. He tried to save his friend's life. He joins us tonight. Thanks so much for coming on with us this evening. I appreciate it. So uh, before I me. ask you about the tragedy that you saw, let me ask you about the man who apparently did it, giving an interview to Vice, apparently admitting that he did it and remaining at large tonight. What do you make of that? Well, I, I think their whole campaign is disinformation. I don't think that they are going to produce anything. I know they will not be able to produce anything to corroborate that story whatsoever. Co corroborate the story that this man, Reinald, is apparently telling that there was an attack on an African-American or something like that. But just the fact that here you have a videotaped murder of a man, that's beyond dispute. The chief suspect is talking to Vice. Why isn't he in custody? Does that shake your confidence in the justice system in Oregon? No, I lost confidence in the justice system here a long time ago. Um, yeah. Mike Schmidt has continued to let uh, all of these charges go. People are throwing explosive devices at Homeland Security and being let off. Joey Gibson still facing uh, charges for inciting a riot over a year ago for peacefully protesting in front of an Antifa bar and then being assaulted. Um, this is it's completely one-sided out here. It is, it's corrupt like you see in the movies. It sounds it. So just to bottom line the charges, and it's, it's, it's complex, but essentially your friend was assassinated. Again, we don't need to debate that. It's on video. And now you are somehow the villain and he is somehow the villain in the story. What are they saying? I don't pay attention to everything that they're saying. Uh, I know that they came up behind us. They shot my friend and killed him. Oh. 
Was there warning? I mean, was there, were you in the middle of a dispute before this happened? No. Or what? Tell us the circumstances, if you would. Just the yelling. I mean, when they started yelling at us, we turned around. And uh, I mean, I didn't even have time to register that somebody was pointing a gun at us before the shots went off. But do you recognize the man who pulled the trigger? Yeah. And is it this man? We have his picture on the screen who the police say is the main suspect? Yeah, I mean, mostly what you see is a, is a white blur. I recognize that he was a white guy, and what significantly stood out to me is that he was the only person downtown that night, other than myself, wearing a white shirt. Huh. What were they screaming at you before they murdered your friend? Uh, like, we got a couple right here, we got a couple right here. Pull it out, pull it out. And then uh, and you turn around and you just you don't quite understand what's going on. And before I got a chance to process anything, it was over. Did you point a firearm? I don't bring my firearms downtown because I don't go down there with the intent to hurt people. We occasionally bring bear spray to keep them off of us. That's, uh, you can see in that video, that big cloud of smoke. They shot him through his uh, can of bear mace. So you were unarmed. They were armed. They didn't demand anything. They just identified you and assassinated your friend. Yeah, uh, this, this hat's a pretty big target out there. This hat, a MAGA hat, anything that's pro-American, pro-patriot. It's unbelievable. Why do you think they did this? Hatred. I think this country needs a lot of healing. I think everything that's going on downtown for the, the pawns that are down there destroying the city, I think they're just fueled with hatred. Your, your, your friend has been denounced, as, as you know. I think even Joe Biden... Mm -hmm called him a white supremacist or suggested that he was. What kind of person was he, Jay Danielson? Anybody, anybody who knew Jay knew him by his smile. He was the, the happiest, like most compassionate, first to buy you a drink kind of guy that you would ever meet. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he got along with everybody. It's a, it's a shocking story. Chandler Pappas, I appreciate your coming on. I hope you'll come back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. They truly believe they can use narrative to flip it, to make you all think it's white supremacists, it's Trump supporters, that they didn't support all this from day one. These motherfuckers went to Graceland and said, eat the rich. That's what they did. And they have spun incessantly when they're the hateful people. If Trump wanted to end violence in America's cities, he could simply go on Twitter feed and tell his supporters to go home. Trump is openly doing the opposite, encouraging more violence. Does anybody believe that? There's no Trump supporters in Portland. There was one caravan that got their asses kicked. But you have people like Joy Ann Reed, who fails to apologize for Muslim com com comments, but loses signal three times. I looked at those Joe Reed's hackers were at work Tuesday night as Reed not only failed to apologize for comments saying President Trump and his radical supporters remind her of the way Muslims act, but she was knocked off the air three times. The reason technical gremlins were afoot. Here is just a montage of the person who came up with the fucking alt-right and says the most horrible shit ever on TV that incites black people to riot. 
and a couple of her other friends on CNN. They don't have to face a true electorate. They only have to worry about a primary challenge. I had a husband who was my vision, but when he died, I knew I was in big trouble. All right. Uh, I want to apologize for the gremlins. That was a weird uh, sort of eventuality, but it happened, and we are now back. I want to thank Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. We did lose his shot um, and sort of the whole shot. So thank you. Everybody. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Barnes. Thank you very much. Really, really appreciate you being there and sitting through the, the ghost story that just happened. <laughs> right. Supposedly, there was chatter about ISIS. Now, I don't know. What do I know about it? All I know is what's on the Internet. Hey, it's Alicia Menendez. We lost Joy's shot. We're going to bring it back in just a moment. Stick with us. Hopefully the gremlins won't get us and we can get through a conversation <laughs> with you. We've been having a little technical gremlins tonight. And joining me now is Ari Berman, senior reporter for Mother Jones. And I'm also going to bring in Alicia Menendez, uh, my friend and host of a great weekend show on MSNBC. We're going to have her here on as backup in case my shot goes down again, because we're having some gremlins from the dark shadows who are messing with us tonight. Many states starting on Election Day and potentially in the weeks after. So Ari, hey, it's Alicia Menendez. All right, Ari Berman, all of you at home, thank you so much for bearing with us. That's tonight. Read out. What difference does it make if a president is actively refusing to condemn the violence of documented right-wing um, domestic, potentially domestic terrorism, but constantly harping on Black Lives Matter? No, none of whom, none of, of you, none of the activists from Black Lives Matter have been arrested for anything violent. Um, what, what difference does it make within the movement? What difference does it make as, as the way the movement is viewed in your, in your view? Well, let me first say that one of the things that is so incredibly important for people to understand and just to underscore is that this president has refused time and time again to decry white supremacist and white nationalist violence. He has refused to decry racial terrorism. And so as a result, what is happening is that he is also actually advancing conspiracy theories of the sort that we have seen, you know, on platforms like Facebook and Twitter and some of these accounts that have been rooted out through QAnon. This president is actually saying these are very fine people and that the real problem here are uh, Black Lives Matter protesters who are fighting to ensure that black people have the same rights and dignity that everybody deserves. And so this is a playbook. It's a technically uh, it's a clear piece of Trump's playbook where he essentially uses violence white nationalism, white supremacy, sexism, and any other tool he can use to distract from the fact that he is a terrible president, to distract from the fact that more than 150,000 people have died. Yesterday, Joe Biden gave a speech where he argued that President Trump incites violence instead of stopping it. And instead of proving Biden wrong, Trump proved him right just a few hours later. Yes, we have seen peaceful protests across the country. Yes, we have seen violence erupt in some cities. And yes, we have seen the president try to paint all of it with the same brush. Why? Because it plays right into his hands. He knows that. That's why he tries to capitalize on it and why he tries to encourage it. No matter how many times the president watches Fox News loop video of a fire in Portland, this is nonsense. The local fire chief told CNN fact checker Daniel Dale that the city is not ablaze. And for the isolated pockets of fires that broke out during demonstrations, they're only, they've only needed one fire engine for them. 
He is the president right now, and he has been for almost three years. The crime that he's deriding is happening on his watch. He's stoking it and using it successfully in many cases to make Americans afraid. They will burn down your cities and tell you that you did it. And if you don't accept that judgment, maybe they'll send BLM to your house. That is a host saying that you should be afraid because black people might be coming to your house to commit violence. It's blatant racism. It's meant to scare moderate Americans into voting for President Trump. Instead of condemning violence, President Trump is endorsing it. The president is arguing that he is the law and order candidate, but he clearly supports neither. He says he is the candidate who can combat violence, but he isn't against violence. He's against black violence. He's just fine. The Trump administration is so desperate to manufacture an atmosphere of left-wing violence ahead of the election and to ignore the violence being perpetrated by some of their own supporters, including white nationalists, that they are now floating the idea of going after protesters with the same tactics used to go after the mafia. First of all, it wouldn't even be illegal if someone was paying for people's flights to cities where they will protest, any more than it was illegal for civil rights organizations to pay for the buses that brought northern protesters to the South during the civil rights movement. But most importantly, there is no evidence that anyone is paying for anyone to do anything, let alone that there are dark shadows out there enticing people to commit violent acts. The law brought up in that clip, RICO, was passed in 1970 to pursue the mafia. You know, the type of people who committed a double homicide over a spilled drink in a Queens bar once. But here's the problem. Black Lives Matter and Antifa, which literally stands for anti-fascist, aren't anything remotely close to organized crime. They're decentralized movements. As activist and legal expert Chip Gibbons told the Daily Beast, how are we going to subpoena the hotel records of Antifa? It's a nonsensical proposition, like if I said, I'm going to subpoena the hotel records of feminism. I can't believe I have to say this, but one more time for those in the back, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. For decades, America's Muslim community has endured blanket portrayals that focus on only one thing, not their families or individual achievements or even anything about Islam. Nope, just one thing. Terrorism. The vast majority of the more than one billion Muslims on the planet and the millions in this country are decidedly unradical, everyday people just living their lives when they're not getting profiled by the NYPD or banned by the Trump administration. It's the misportrayal that's the problem, not the people. But when white Christians are radicalized, we don't react the same way. When was the last time Donald Trump or anyone in his campaign was asked if they are willing to condemn the Boogaloo Boys by name? Does Bill Barr ever get asked about them? I mean, one of them literally allegedly killed a federal agent in Oakland. If Trump was a Muslim leader, not the leader of the Christian right, how would we in the media describe what he's doing? I asked that question on Monday, and there was a lot of conversation, particularly online, after the segment aired, some of which was, frankly, not in good faith. But some of the conversation reflected the genuine feelings of people who have been subjected to the kind of stereotyping that I just described and who take matters like this to heart because of it. And we should all be sensitive to that. And I certainly should have been sensitive to that. So let's talk about it now. Not, not exactly the most artful way of uh, asking that question, obviously, based on the reaction. But Naveed, can you just contextualize it a better way of sort of making that point, just from a national security point? You mean, I just want to make sure I've laid out the facts accurately. Donald Trump passed up an opportunity to condemn the vigilante uh, alleged murder 
of two individuals in that press clip I played. Donald Trump uh, refused to condemn the Trump truck caravan where they were um, shooting paint guns at Black Lives Matter protesters and still is sort of out there tweeting and talking about law and order. He doesn't see anything discordant about those things. Nicole, you're wondering if you're kind of living in this reality that we're living in, and that is the reality <laughs> that we are living in. I was writing my package for PBS today, and I had to write, after after justifying a, a Trump supporter killing two people, and after comparing police um, shooting people to golfing, the president went to Kenosha. That's the opening line of a package I never thought I would be writing. Um, and I think that what we're dealing with is the president really not wanting to lose any voters and also wanting to not look like he's giving even an inch on the idea of law enforcement, um, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes unjustifiably killing African-Americans. And he doesn't want to deal with the reality that black people are killed at higher rates than white people in this country. So what you see the president doing is just doubling down and really going to this part of his base. I don't think all Trump supporters are like this, but going to the part of his base that think that it's okay for a 17-year-old to shoot people in the street who are unarmed, um, who are at a protest, who are upset about the way that the federal government is treating African Americans. And it's it's not, never before, I think, in the history of America has a president used the bully pulpit of the White House to defend somebody who is charged with a homicide um, in a way like this. And it just, I think, it underscores where the president is. It also underscores what we're going to see for the next 60 odd days as the president tries to march to re-election on november 3rd he's going to continue to kind of go to the to the to the to the base of his of 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 the people who believe in him um to justify anything and almost everything that they do in order to make his case the peacock has been caught so many times just being hypocrites, that this next story doesn't even surprise me. NBC gets humiliated by botched fact check on Dem City crime. Seemingly every night on social media, we see the truth that the liberal media refuses to show, which has been violent leftist extremists destroying parts of America's cities and burning portions of them to the ground. It's a point Trump has drawn attention to time and time again. The top 10 to 20 most dangerous city in America are run by Democrats. Well, NBC Nightly News was on a mission to defend their party Tuesday night by attempting to debunk a president claim with a fact and fiction. The problem, correspondent Tom Costello never directly addressed Trump's point. The top most dangerous city were run by Democrats. Instead, he simply argued that crime was on the rise across the country, including Republican-led cities. And leading into the segment, Phil in anchor and White House correspondent Alexander told viewers they were fact-checking the president. For weeks, the president said violence is out of control in cities run by Democrats, but he wanted to make sure you had the facts. Is there a difference in crime rates in Democrat versus Republican cities? The rhetorically, he rhetorically asked, teeing up Costello. After playing three sound bites of Trump making the claim, Costello dropped his so-called reality check on the president. The reality check homicide rates are up in many cities run by both Democrats and Republican, up 13 in Republican-led Miami. 34 in Democrat New York, 29 Republican Tulsa, 31 in Democrat Phoenix, Republican-led Fort Worth, police reported 50%. But figuring out if crime was on the rise was not what you and the network said you were going to do, Tom. You made it very explicit that you were fact-checking. Roughly 70% of America's 100 biggest cities are led by Democrats, the rest by Republicans or others. 
but he conveniently omitted any sort of ranking in terms of violence. Fortunately, other publications already compiled the list. Upon examination of USC Today's report this time last year, documented 25 most violent, dangerous cities in America. All the cities listed are run by Democrats. The top 10 most dangerous U.S. cities. Democrats. Here's the piece. For weeks, the president has said violence is out of control in cities run by Democrats. But we wanted to make sure that you have the facts. Is there a difference in the crime rate in cities run by Democrats versus those led by Republicans? Tom Costello now with the latest in our series, America's Cities, Fact versus Fiction. Amid national protests over racial inequality and policing, President Trump has often repeated the same claim. The top 10 most dangerous cities in America are run by Democrats. The 20 worst, the 20 most dangerous are Democrat-run, worse than Honduras, worse than Afghanistan. The reality check, homicide rates are up in many cities run by both Democrats and Republicans, up 13 percent in Republican-led Miami, up 34 percent in Democrat-led New York, up 29 percent in Republican-run Tulsa through June, up 31 percent in Democrat-led Phoenix through July. In Republican-led Fort Worth, police report a 50 percent increase in homicides just this year. We got challenges just as well as other large and small uh, metropolitan areas. Uh, we're doing the best that we can with the resources that we have. And Democrat-led Oakland, a 26% increase. Cities across this country, major city chiefs, are saying the exact same thing. The amount of guns, the amount of gun crime, the significant increases. Crime experts say the pandemic and economic fallout are big factors in driving the murder rate higher. Roughly 70% of America's 100 biggest cities are led by Democrats, the rest by Republicans or others. Former CIA officer Jeff Asher now analyzes crime data. The president claims this is pretty much only a problem in Democratic cities. Is that accurate? Well, the data that we have right now says that that's not accurate. We're seeing about a 25% increase in all cities, the 14 cities that are run by Republicans. Very similar change on average of the cities that are run by Democrats. Very few murders have been connected to the protests over racial inequality. Police report outside agitators from both the left and the right have often turned those protests violent. Over the weekend, the president tweeted that D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, clean up D.C. or the federal government will do it for you. When a president attacks American cities, he's attacking America. And the job of the president is to unite us, not to divide us. Some cities have actually seen a decrease in homicides this year, including Democrat-run Baltimore and Republican-led Jacksonville. Peter? Tom Costello with the facts tonight. Tom? They all want to forget that some people are paying attention. Some people are watching what's happening. New York Times has given up on left-right. They just say, after ignoring riots, New York Times now said, Trump's throwing accelerant on U.S. unrest. He's encouraged one side against the other. Really? He's encouraged? What about this? I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. 
Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, we kick them. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. I said, even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution are, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. encouraging who who i mean they are censoring so much facebook removing posts supporting kyle rittenhouse company says shooting was a mass murder they're ignoring portland mayor ted wheeler moving to avoid riots targeting his home they've targeted his fucking house repeatedly but are they going to cover that no And the worst part is that we went through all the conventions. And what did you hear? Trump never said his name. Say his name. You must say his name. All you had to do is go to Twitter. All you had to do is go to fucking Twitter and see Jacob's Blake dad is a fucking racist. And the only person to cover it once again, Tucker Carlson. I'm going to use it because it's a great synopsis instead of me flapping my gums. He covers this racist piece of shit who Trump was supposed to meet with, but he said he didn't want to meet him because he's a fucking racist and hates Jews and white people. The key for any political party that's trying to hold power is getting its voters to the polls. It's not complicated. But this simple act has always been a problem for the Democratic Party. On average, Democratic voters are much less likely than Republicans to vote. Many of them can't seem to make it out of bed in November. Democrats are also, surveys show, less likely to know much about the issues. They buy the bumper stickers, they don't read the books. For these and other reasons, getting Democrats to vote on Election Day requires enormous effort. Sometimes it requires financial incentives like walking around money or giving free cigarettes to the mentally ill homeless. 
Sometimes, under extraordinary circumstances, convincing Democrats to vote requires race riots and a nationwide fear campaign. Unfortunately, that's what we're seeing right now. The only way to understand the last three months in this country is with the presidential election in mind. This has been the most radical and ambitious get-out-the-vote operation ever staged in a democracy. Politicians are now saying and encouraging things that could easily destroy the country. Things that could fracture the nation, divide our people forever, turn this beautiful, happy place into a permanent maelstrom of angry tribalism. That's happening now. Why? Well, only for one reason. So that Democratic voters will be angry enough to vote against Donald Trump in the fall. Whether he's aware of it or not, Joe Biden is leading this effort. Biden traveled to Milwaukee today to remind voters what a racist country the United States is. To make that point, Biden met with the family of Jacob Blake. He is, of course, the man who was shot by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after he apparently lunged at them, lunged for a knife, rather. One of the people Biden met with in Milwaukee was Jacob Blake's father, who was also called Jacob Blake. Blake Sr. is grieving, obviously. Imagine if your son was shot and paralyzed. You feel for him in that way. On the other hand, Jacob Blake Sr. is a very strange person to meet with if you're trying to make the point that racism is bad. Judging by what he has written online, Jacob Blake Sr. does not oppose bigotry. He's enthusiastically for it. Quote, I'm with Farrakhan 100%, Blake wrote on social media last year. Days before Christmas, the year before, Blake posted a picture of Jesus' face floating in a toilet bowl. Blake called white people crackers. He referred to African-Americans who support Donald Trump as, quote, coons. He repeatedly attacked Jews. Quote, the same pink-toed Jews that control the interest rate control the media. They control minds and money. At one point, Blake accused the Jewish residents of Pittsburgh of participating in a conspiracy to fake their own persecution. Blake claimed Jewish people in Pittsburgh got advanced warning before the synagogue massacre there two years ago. And then Blake wrote this the week the Harvey Weinstein story broke. Quote, a cracker Jew can do whatever to a white woman for years. End quote. That's what Jacob Blake Sr. thinks. Naturally, he also believes that you are the real racist. Here he is at a recent demonstration in Washington. Watch. We're going to hold court on systematic racism. It's going we're going to have court right now. Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. Guilty. Racism against Trayvon Martin. We find him guilty. Guilty. Racism against George Floyd. We find him guilty. Guilty. Racism against Jacob Blake. Come on. Abdul Dawala. If I said the name wrong, Allah forgive me. Guilty! Guilty! Okay, so the guy who denounces, quote, cracker Jews is now a civil rights leader in our country. But that's only possible because the Joe Biden for President campaign has decided that he is. Joe Biden's handlers knew exactly what Jacob Blake Sr. had written before they landed in Milwaukee today and met with him. But they never mentioned it, and of course the media never asked them about it. Instead, Biden elevated Jacob Blake Sr. to a position of even greater prominence in this country and even greater moral authority. You are now being lectured about bigotry by a Farrakhan acolyte who calls black people coons and puts pictures of Jesus in the toilet. But of course you are. This is the whole game. To the Democratic Party, nothing is ever about principles. It's always about votes. 
Democrats acknowledge no enemies on the left. Even the most violent crazies are valued members of their coalition. And that's why Joe Biden will never say a negative word about BLM or Antifa, no matter how many people they kill. But the past does not go both ways. Watch Joe Biden demand that Donald Trump denounce and attack those many thousands of Republican voters you're seeing every day on the streets with guns, setting fires, pulling down statues, looting Target. When will those Republicans stop rioting? His failure to call on his own supporters to stop acting as an armed militia in this country shows how weak he is. Does anyone believe there'll be less violence in America if Donald Trump is reelected? Are there words to describe how dishonest those statements were? This is lying of bewildering audacity, but Democrats aren't ashamed of it, they amplify it. Watch the latest Joe Biden for President ad. In it, the ad argues that America is so dangerous for black people that African Americans should be afraid to leave their homes. There's that much racism, watch. Why in this nation do black Americans wake up knowing that they could lose their life in the course of just living their life? African-Americans, Biden says, quote, wake up knowing they could lose their life in the course of just living their life. Imagine saying that. And by the way, Biden isn't referring to inner city crime, which is real and it's awful and kills many thousands every year. But Biden rarely acknowledges that exists. No, Joe Biden is talking about police murders. Joe Biden is suggesting that American police officers kill African-Americans because they're black. What is this doing to the country when a presidential candidate says something like that out loud? It's hard to imagine a more divisive claim, especially since it is a flat out lie. It's untrue. There are no data that show that's true. Just the opposite. Last year, for example, the number of unarmed African-American men killed by the police was smaller than the number of Americans killed by lightning. But Joe Biden says it anyway. If you'll believe that, you'll believe that Jacob Blake Sr. is a civil rights leader. Dove Hyken spent decades as a Democratic State Assemblyman in the state of New York. He now hosts a radio show in New York. We're happy to have him on tonight. Mr. Hyken, thanks so much for coming on. So you're a, a Democrat of longstanding. I don't know if you still are or not. You certainly have been a Democratic leader in the state of New York. You probably agree with the party on a lot of things. But what do you make of Joe Biden lending his moral authority and giving moral authority to someone like Jacob Blake Sr.? It is pathetic. It is hypocrisy. It is a double standard. And people need to recognize that. I mean, it is just beyond comprehension. Someone who follows Farrakhan, the number one anti-Semite in this country, someone who preaches hate towards the Jewish people, the Jews control the banks, the Jews control the media, the Jews control everything. And Jews are responsible for everything. Louis Farrakhan. And Blake is a follower of Louis Farrakhan, spreading his hate on social media to millions of people. So how in God's name does the former vice president uh, go and meet with this individual, praise this individual? And I would like to ask a question. It was only a couple of years ago that Biden was vice president for eight years along with Barack Obama. What happened to the country? What was Obama and Biden doing in terms of race relations in this country? I thought they solved all the problems. What happened? 
It yeah. is beyond comprehension. And I hope Democrats will wake up and realize this hypocrisy. They are endangering this country. People are afraid. People are afraid. People in my community asked me, is there a future in America? This is what we've this is where we are today. Is there a future in America? This is the greatest country in the world. We're not perfect. No one is perfect. No country is perfect. No person is perfect. But this is the greatest country in the world. And what the Democrats are doing, yes, I'm still a Democrat, but I am ashamed of the Democratic Party. It is a betrayal of all the values that America is all about. It's pure, yes. unadulterated hypocrisy. The claim, I mean, I, you know, I, I try to give people a pass on stupid things they say or have said in years past. And, and so it's a pretty wide strike zone. But to claim that the Jewish community in Pittsburgh had advanced warning, that seems especially poisonous to me and especially crazy. Why wouldn't Biden's advisors, who are sophisticated, not all of them are evil, I'm not saying they are, but why wouldn't they say, whoa, 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 we can't meet with this guy. This is, come on now, this is too much. Why wouldn't they say that? It's simple. They're cowards. They are afraid of upsetting the Democratic Party, you know, the radical left. They are an important part. You know, isn't it strange that Bernie Sanders, Tlaib, Omar, isn't it funny how quiet they are? Because there's a deal with Biden that Biden do what they want and everything will be fine. Tucker, in 1944, my mother and her mother and other members of the family were taken to Auschwitz. My mother obviously survived. My grandmother and other members of the family went straight to the gas chamber that very day. That's what hate does. Hate of the Jewish people. Just pure, unadulterated hate. Doesn't have to make sense. You don't have to explain it to anybody. And here we have Blake Sr., a follower of Farrakhan, and we're not talking about 10 years ago, we're not talking about, we're not talking no. about two years ago, we're talking about last year and recent. Hate, he is a civil rights leader, he is the problem. I say he is guilty. You'd think if, I don't know, President Trump met... Do you think for a second the media wouldn't point out if a victim of crime... Um, from the left, was a Trump supporter, supported the KKK. I mean, these four years alone, we've had a, a, a fucking Cong a, a fucking governor who literally wore blackface. They've covered for him. They've covered for the main reason we've had unrest in our streets and people getting beaten down. A thug who literally swallowed a lethal dose of medicine or of a fentanyl-laced meth, meth and killed himself. They've covered for Jacob Blake, a guy who literally fucking sexually assaulted a woman. Sexually assaulted her. And they don't say anything. He's now a civil rights leader. And then this week, there were calls on Twitter to defend a fucking shooting of a teen boy who brandished a gun. And this was the video on his social media. 
Story goes, BLM calls for protest after D.C. police flatly shoot a man. D.C. police shot a black man who was later pronounced dead in a nearby hospital Wednesday afternoon, according to police's activists. Metropolitan Police Department officers were following up on some information in the southeast part of the city when the shooting occurred. MPD Police Chief Peter Newsman told reporters at a press conference following the shooting. When the officer approached the vehicle in question, some of the individuals fled the scene on foot, Newsman said. Police then shot the unnamed man and recovered two firearms seen in that pimp daddy video at the crime scene. Newshman said. Newshman said the man who was shot was believed to have been armed at the time. At this point, reported it recovered two firearms at the scene. We believe the subject had the guns at the time. Newshman said it remains to be seen why the officer fired upon the fleeing man. The local Black Lives Matter chapter called for protest. In this article, Kenosha riots have destroyed two million in city-owned property. Just city-owned. We're on our way, BLM DC tweeted. Black Lives Matter DC. Breaking. DC police shot someone in Southeast MLK Avenue, Southeast of Mellon Street. No way to get away with this. Don't let the media black this out like they always do. Don't let MPD control the narrative. Police lie. We're on our way. The group later posted a flyer calling for action that says DC police murdered a black man today. It's called for a 9 p.m. protest in the area of the shooting. As far as I know, it's a young man, said D.C. Council Member Trayon White following the shooting. I would assume that he was shot in the back, which disturbs me, he added. And this is a city councilman. This is an elected official. My name is Trayon White, Council Member Ward 8. And can you just explain... To your knowledge, what happened here and what you mean think this means for the community here? Um, so, as far as I know, uh, as a young man, a teenager, I want to overemphasize teenager because we like to say man, but he was 18, teen, was killed today at the hands of the Metropolitan Police Department. Um, it was said by Chief Newsham that the young man was fleeing uh, and was shot. So, that I would assume that he was shot in the back, um, which disturbs me. Um, if he was and the question was asked at the chief, did he have a, a weapon on him? He said there was two guns recovered. The question again was asked, did he have a weapon on him? The answer was neither yes or no. So that concerns me. And so we did introduce new legislation uh, recently to allow that police body camera footage be released uh, five days after the incident. So we have to get consent from his parents since he is deceased. I have spoke to his mother, uh, his brother, and his sister. And so right now we're really... Want to make sure they're good, the community is good, because it's a tragedy all the way around the board. This individual, who looks like one of the BLM activists, dreadlocks, the whole nine yards, spoke to his mother, his brother, his sister. Right now, I really want to make sure they're good, community is good, because this is a tragedy all the way around. White said in 2018, the Rothschild family, prominent Jewish family, controlled the weather. He then made a visit to Holocaust Museum to apologize for his comments. Hour after Wednesday, shooting a crowd that gathered near the crime scene. Some individuals were seen yelling at police in the area. And then you now know why you get something like this. Uh, where the fuck is it? I should have put it up here and I didn't, but I'll grab it here. Uh... Marion Browser, Mayor Browser Advisory Board calls for the removal of Washington Dot Monument. And guess who's on that 
Lord, that dude. Statues and memorials. Recommendation using the mayor's position on the National Capital Memorial Advisory Commission. Recommend the federal government remove, relocate, or contextualize the following assets. Christopher Columbus Fountain. Benjamin Franklin Statue. Andrew Jackson Statue. Thomas Jefferson Stat Memorial. George Mason Memorial. Francis Griffin. Albert Pike. George Washington Monument. That's why they have a BLM square. People like that. But what is our media doing? At a Monday news conference, President Trump claimed the protests of Portland have been so damaging the entire city is ablaze all the time. Facts first. This is not even close. The problems have largely been confined to a small area in the media vicinity of a federal courthouse. Most Portland residents have continued to go on their lives in peace, even as some conservative media outlets have depicted large swath of the city under siege. Chapman said there's been fires set just about every night of the protests. He said most of the fires, though, have involved contents inside dumpsters or trash cans and away from any structures. A handful of incidents involved direct attempts at starting a building fire, which he said had been worrisome, but he added, I would like to emphasize this is a small group of demonstrators, but they're not enough to make you question Donald Trump's characterization of Portland. Here's CNN law enforcement correspondent, former FBI agent Josh Campbell. Trump on Portland, the entire city's ablaze. Fact check. Flat out lie. Good morning from wonderful Portland, where the city's not under siege and buildings are not burning to the ground. I also ate my breakfast burrito outside today and so far haven't been attacked by shadowy gangs of Antifa commandos. Jeffrey Ingersoll. Is this going to become a subgenre of Twitter? Reporters tweeting sunny images from brunch along the denials that riots are even coming? Andrew Kerr. Let me zoom it in. I kind of fucked this one up. Where are you at? Uh, There have been nightly protests in Portland for over 90 days straight. At least 23 of which have been declared riots. Josh Campbell. uh, And then some other dick, and I can't read his name, saying the same fucking thing. That it's all a lie. It's not true. And let me just open it. I want to dog all these fuckers. Give me two seconds. I'm kind of screwed up today because I literally just put this podcast together. (laughs) I I did it this morning for shits and grins and felt like getting out and doing a podcast with a mic that doesn't suck. So that took longer than I thought. Page not found. Eh, Give me two seconds. All right, I got it going. Fireworks show right by what I believe Mayor Wheeler's apartment. Lights are shine on building where he lives. Garbage can is melting. Garbage can still burning. Crews were out early this morning cleaning graffiti off Ted Wheeler's apartment building. Yeah, I don't get all the hubbub. I can't see anyone out of my window. So is there really COVID? Also not seen. Racism. Go home, America. Everything's fine. Our cities are being attacked by white supremacists sent by Trump to incite violence. People are fearing for their lives. LOL. What? Riots. I went to a black neighborhood today where nobody was being arrested or shot with an eyesight, so I guess those aren't ongoing concerns, right? Right. And then we get 
the news this morning. Portland shooting suspect, 100% Antifa member, Michael Forrest Reinhold was shot and killed by federal authorities during an arrest attempt. If I were Oregon governor, I'd be calling out the National Guard right now because I have a feeling it's about to get really bad in Portland. Michael Forrest Reinhold, the Portland protester under investigation, and the fatal shooting of Aaron Danielson last week was shot and killed by federal law enforcement in Lacey, Washington. That's by Fort Lewis. Thursday evening, hours after an exclusive interview with the suspect aired on Vice News, in which he claimed he acted in self-defense. According to press accounts, a warrant for Reinhold arrest was issued Thursday, but when a task force compromised the FBI agents and U.S. Marshals, along with the Lakewood Police Department, the Pierce County Sheriff's Department, and the Washington State Department of Correction, closed in on the suspect, Reinhold pulled a gun. Interview of Portland Killer, portrait of a delusional loser. I fired the first shot of a civil war. Pathetic loser for whom riot security was a matter of self-aggrandizement. Andy Ngo, Portland Antifa shooter Michael Reinhold has been killed by law enforcement. Michael Reinhold, who killed Portland Trump supporter Aaron Danielson, died in Lacey. My sources are telling me U.S. Marshals went to arrest. Antifa account in their secret group chat rooms is calling the killing of Antifa shooter Michael Reinhold a police execution. Related, Reinhold said he was in the U.S. Army, but there's no record of that, reported the New York Times. Graphic, Lacey, Washington resident, records the immediate aftermath of the shooting of Portland Antifa member Reinhold. Let's listen. Yeah, you see him? They're doing CPR on him. They lit his ass up. I'm telling you, if y'all would have heard it, man, (laughs) it sounded like fireworks. That's how many shots. I was like, the fuck is going on out here? That nigga dead, man. Yep, and he deserved it because he pulled a fucking gun. Witness said Antifa shooter Micah Reinhold was armed with a semi-automatic rifle when he engaged in a firefight and four officers in Lacey, Washington. And who's covering it? The post-millennial. The next podcast, I'll read what the media said, which will probably be he was executed by Trump's mafia or some fucking horse shit. I mean, this just now broke on the web. I'm sure my brother knew about it. Here's the article. Um, Editor-at-large, Andy Edge confirmed Reinhold was killed. Jack Probosek breaking alleged murderer. Michael Forrest Reinhold has been shot dead. Reinhold had fled the state of Oregon across state line in Washington. Federal Fugitive Task Force located him outside Olympia, where he was killed as they moved in to arrest him. Reinhold reportedly left an apartment complex, appearing to be armed, the Olympian reported, and entered his vehicle when a shootout began. The shooting occurred at 7600 block, a third way southeast of Tranglewild, about 7 p.m. Shots were apparently fired at a traffic stop. He got out with a fucking gun. Witness of the scene cited an unmarked SUV parked on a school street when the vehicle converged with another on the car at the apartment. Suspect reportedly exited his car and fired what was believed to be an assault rifle. Bystanders noted hearing 40 or 50 shots, which we just played. Four officers allegedly fired. 
their weapon from the Department of Corrections, Pierce County Sheriff, and Lakewood Police. The New York Times reported that an arrest warrant had been issued earlier by the Portland Police Bureau on the same day that Feist published an interview. Because they didn't go actually go out and research it or do any investigation. They just let the guy stay up after he murdered somebody in the fucking street. And it took him getting up there and saying, yeah, I shot him, for them to do something. Are you fucking shitting me? Within the same hour of the news breaking, Trump called on the Department of Justice, a federal bureau of investigation, to arrest the cold butter killer of Aaron J. Danielson. Uh, Antifa Twitter account called for the names of officers involved using a pig emoji and listing a site where names could be sent. When you find it, send the names of the pigs who pulled the trigger to control patrol at riseup.net. Yeah. Those are great fucking people. Just fucking amazing people. Amazing people. We should all be like them. Which means we'd have to be Democrats. Tam and Katz. We need to stop this. Who's paying? Actors needed. Actors help needed for event tomorrow from 3 or 2 to 11 p.m. $15 per hour. Duty include protest activity, holding signs, and anti-cop, anti-U.S. actions. So, right when I get that, I go, ain't that some fucking shit? And Tucker Carlson shows us. I've been saying it, and it was always true. It's the Democrats. Seems like just the other day, because it was, that the media and their handlers in the Democratic Party were browbeating anyone who noticed there were riots going on. There are no riots. What? Pay no attention to the guy with the BLM tattoo on his neck assassinating a Trump supporter. It's a mirage. And if you believe it, you've fallen for Russian disinformation. Well, on Monday of this week, they changed their position 180 degrees. They had to. Their poll numbers were tanking. They were being blamed for the riots they started and encouraged. So now everyone agrees that violence and rioting are in fact happening. We should know who's been paying for all of this. Rioting doesn't come cheap. So we looked into it. And tonight we can report that elected Democrats, office holders in Congress, in local governments, along of course their allies in Hollywood, bankrolled it. They were major financial backers for the domestic terrorism that ravaged entire cities, entire neighborhoods in Minneapolis, for example, this summer. You remember that in May, Memorial Day weekend after George Floyd died, rioters caused half a billion dollars worth of damage in Minneapolis. Two people died. At one point, the mob torched a police precinct after the city's mayor, Jacob Fry, ordered authorities to abandon it. Well, now we know that a Minnesota group called the Black Visions Collective was the primary organizer of those violent riots. The New York Times has called that group, quote, integral to the protest movement that erupted following the killing of George Floyd. Just a few weeks after the precinct burned down, a woman called Miski Noor, she's an organizer with the Black Visions Collective, told Vox.com that the riots made her, quote, extremely hopeful. She's a nihilist. Miski Noor referred, referred to the riotings as an uprising and a rebellion, quote. 
Meanwhile, the director of the Black Visions Collective, a woman called Candace Montgomery, publicly humiliated Mayor Fry for not committing to totally abolishing all law enforcement in the city. Watch. Yes or no, will you commit to defunding Minneapolis Police Department? What yes. am I saying? Yes. We don't want no more police. No Is more. that clear? The main effect of this unrest is to give an awful lot of power to the dumbest, least creative, least interesting, most violent people in our society. And there's a reason they have more power, because they've been collecting a lot of money. During those riots, donations to Noor's group soared. The Black Visions Collective received $19 million in donations online since Floyd's death. And his partner organization, Reclaim the Block, got $11 million. Much of that money came because top Democrats raised it for them, effectively. The day after the police precinct burned and Joe Biden voters demolished dozens of local businesses, Sandy Cortez, who is a sitting member of Congress, tweeted this, quote, Now is the time to step up for the frontline organizers who've been engaged in the struggle for justice in Minnesota. She urged her mindless followers to join Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, the usual, to raise $50,000 for the Black Visions Collective and reclaim the block. Separately, this is hard to believe, but it's true, former Obama cabinet secretary Julian Castro called for donations to Black Visions Collective and reclaimed the block. He urged Democrats to, quote, provide support to those who are on the front lines demanding change. The front lines, like this is a war, that's what they think it is. They don't believe in our justice system. They think things should be adjudicated with violence in the streets. And because none of these riots affect Beverly Hills, celebrities also joined in to raise money. Here's talk show host Jimmy Kimmel in June, desperately hoping you won't remember he has worn blackface and used the N-word several times. Watch. What I think mostly I was excited about with the Black Visions Collective is it's all Black Lives Matters. The website is blackvisionsmn.org if you'd like to go to it and join us with a donation. Flacking for a revolutionary group, advertising their website, effectively soliciting money for them on TV. That's not a political disagreement. That's not liberal versus conservative. That's just wrong. That's disgusting, actually. <sighs> Democrats raised all of this money. A woman called Aluchi Omiyaga, who co-founded Black Visions Collective and works with Reclaim the Block, made it clear what the group really stands for. She declared that looting is a form of reparations. It's not stealing, it's reparations, and she called for more of it. Watch. I know that there, um, the things that are being taken are being redistributed to the community. I don't have an opinion on like what, like what is, is it good or is it bad to loot, but I do understand the, the use of um, reparations in this time, looking like taking from corporations and giving back to people who actually need the resources. And now we're seeing that we're able to give those people those things because Target was looted, because Cup Foods was looted, and they're able to redistribute that to the community. They're being redistributed to the community. Right. So everyone gets a new pair of sneakers. Poor people don't think that's true. Poor people know what stealing is. It's stealing. Looting is stealing. You'd have to go to some private college to come up with a view as stupid as the one that person has. And no doubt that person went to some private college. Bottom line is these are radical organizations, genuinely radical, 
And Democrats knew that well before the rioting started in Minneapolis. Back in 2015, the leaders of the Black Visions Collective spent 18 days occupying a police station. But the money flowed in anyway. Several months before Noor organized her uprising, the Black Visions Collective received a $25,000 grant from the city of Minneapolis. The irony, of course, is obvious, and in retrospect, it's tragic. They gave money, taxpayers gave money to an organization that helped destroy their city. The Minneapolis city government effectively funded its own destruction. Of course, no Democrats have repudiated their support for Black Visions Collective or reclaimed the block, just like they haven't renounced the Minneapolis Freedom Fund, which bailed out many of the rioters. In fact, they haven't renounced BLM or Antifa either, both of which are radical violent groups. The Minneapolis Freedom Fund was promoted by Kamala Harris directly. Joe Biden's staffers endorsed it too. They redirected donations to the Black Visions Collective. The point isn't just that Democrats won't condemn the people behind these riots. The point is they want these riots to happen. They're paying for these riots. How much have they spent trying to rebuild our cities? None so far. That tells you everything. I ask you again, why is he the only person looking into it? When the lockdown protest happened, there was numerous articles on who, what dark money was financing it. And they said it was Republicans. Nobody's researched who's fun- financing it. Nobody. There's been no freaking large articles about who's giving money to these groups. It's so bad that if you go to Open Secrets, you can find out who donated to what, who's given money. All you know is they've got 400, no, $500 million. $500 million. And we can get articles on, well, companies, CNET, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and others have followed up on their supportive words with major donation pledges to other companies have yet to put money where their mouth is. Blows the roundup of major companies from big box retailers to clothing stores. Technology, Google, $12 million. Facebook and Amazon, $10 million apiece. Apple, $100 million. Walmart, $100 million over five years. Target, who they've rioted a million times, $10 million. Home Depot, a million. EA Games, a million. Square Enix, 250000 Ubisoft, 100000 Etsy, 500000 thousand H and M five hundred thousand Everlane seventy five thousand Tom Shoes a hundred thousand Spanx two hundred thousand Levi's two hundred thousand Gap two hundred and fifty thousand Werby Parker one million Lula Lamon one hundred thousand Nike forty fucking million McDonald's one million Wendy's 500,000. Coca-Cola, 2.5. Honest Beauty, 100,000. Anastasia Beauty, 1 million. Glossier, 500,000. United Health Corps, $10 million commitment to support George Floyd 
business businesses impacted by civil unrest. United Health's giving five million to the Weiss MCA Equity Innovation Center. Whoop, which I've never heard of. Twenty thousand dollar donation. Peloton five hundred thousand. But do you get whose individual donations? Do we know what politicians have given money? No. But this might come across as a little un-PC if you were giving fucking money to a white supremacy group. Do you think it'd be front page news? I'm sure it would. Oh, yeah. They broadcast that shit. So that's who's paying the bills on all these protests. All of them. The Hill, as we move along. Kenosha newspaper, only full-time black journalist quits. Daniel J. Simpson, who served as the paper's digital editor, objected to a headline reading, Kenosha Speaker, if you kill one of us, it's time for us to kill one of yours, according to the New York Times. He said the headline was misleading about the nature of the rally in question. The story is about the entire reaction of all the speakers and the people in attendance, and that quote is one outlier falling within a flood of positive ones. Daniel J. Thompson resigns over the following accurate quote from a speaker at a BLM rally. If you kill one of us, it's time for us to kill one of yours. He quit his newspaper because it practices journalism. If you quit your newspaper for accurately quoting a speaker at a rally because you don't think it reflects well on the rally's cause, you're not a journalist. Dr. Conservative Mom, Jacob Blake, who we covered, looks to incite violence against law enforcement with, by BLM with chant claims that National Guard troops of Kenosha working to destroy law and order want to shoot black people. Yeah. But then there's more than 36 street gangs in Chicago reportedly vowed to shoot any cop on sight who has a weapon drawn in the public. And then they released this video of looting that just happened this week. Ah, shit. It's one, of those, it's one of those damn videos with no sound. It's fucking classic, man. It is perfect. It ain't about social justice, man. That shit ain't about social justice. It's about fucking repropriation, like the lady said. It's all about fucking repropriation. You gotta reappropriate shit. Because that's what we do. Jesus fucking Christ. Then we have real journalists acting a fucking fool. Sarim but I don't know his name. Trump's rhetoric might be divisive and, he, he has, and the buck ultimately stops with him. But it's foolish to think the left is blameless for the violence and chaos. My latest in the Rye News. When protesters being arrested by the hundreds in June, Harris then yet to become Biden running mate. And our campaigns and Biden's campaign some staff promoted the Minnesota Freedom Fund. They received $35 million in donations to bail out protesters, including those charged with violent crimes. MFF paid $75,000 in bail for Jowling Stallings, charged with attempted murder after allegedly firing his modified pistol at SWAT for the pretrial release of Danica Floyd, who faced second-degree murder charges for allegedly stabbing and killing her friend. MFF paid $100,000. 
And for Christopher Boswell, a twice-convicted rapist currently charged with kidnapping, assault, and sexual assault in two separate cases, MFF doled out a whopping $350,000. Minnesota Freedom Fund was just one group that didn't take crime seriously in the lead-up to the current crime wave. Progressive groups also lobbied for leases of thousands of convicted prisoners and inmates due to concern over COVID in prison. These included Ibrahim Bochi, indicted on charges of rape, strangulation, and abduction. While Democrats were advocating defunding the police, he returned to the home of his accuser, Carla Dominguez, and killed her. So Wajit Ali, the left, is the majority of Americans protesting the shooting and murder of unarmed black people. They didn't murder anyone show up as an armed militia, or plow cars through crowds. But let's do a terrible and incorrect both-sides analysis. Siraj, put yourself on the list. Brenson Taylor, at least 30 people have been killed during these riots. Billions damaged The most people will not recover from and lose everything. Stop excusing the violence from people you think are on your side, you dumb bitch. That's what she said. RBE. Blatant, easily disproved lies like this by people treated as good faith actors by media and actually making things worse. This motherfucker's lying. He knows it, but he suffers nothing professionally for doing it. Hashami responds, it's intellectually dishonest to believe that only one side is responsible for the violence. Tell that the family of David Dorn or the Trump supporter who was shot and killed in Portland this past week. Both sides have blood on their hands. That's just a fact. Waji Ali. Trump's rhetoric might be divisive. Also, who is the left, Siraj? All the supporters of BLM you agree with and Trump and Rudy Giuliani and how they lump all with rioters and looters? Uh, ladies and gents, this is the conservative outlet make you give. All Trump and Republicans have it, but what about in response to anything? That's their only intellect response on a principle. If you push it aside, what they really are saying, it's fine for police to kill unarmed black people and armed militias and extremists to shoot and kill. Sergei Mashami with the both sides false equivalency. You hate to see it, but even the smart ones go down when they drink the Washington Examiner Kool-Aid. Also, the left, Biden, has condemned the violence. Trump's defense and encouraged armed militia to liberate. Hashimi's response. Waji Ali with the blinders on again, never able to see the faults happening on his side he supports. You hate to see it when Trump gives you such a myopic view of the world that everything is seen in black and white and not for what it is. Messy. He responds again, and then at the ending, Hashimi says, Waj, I didn't even mention a reference to you. Yet you hopped in my mentions and are now blaming me for the trolls coming after you after I spawned in good faith. I don't come, don't come at me if you don't want the smoke. Branson Taylor again. It's amazing how these shits think they're more moral saints while they brush off the violence from their side so easily. They're hypocrites. And they are. They what about ism for fucking everything. There's nothing they don't what about ism over. There's just nothing. When your rhetoric is this, Casey Musgrave, some singer, if you love an an LGBTQ plus person and you're planning to vote for Donald Trump in November, that's an act of violence. Or Trevor Noah, 
Nobody drives in a city with guns because they love someone else's business that much. That's some bullshit. No one has ever thought, oh, it's my solemn duty to pick up a rifle and protect that TJ Maxx. They do it because they're hoping to shoot someone. All this violence and a caravan of Trump supporters have killed you. You never even talked about the violence until this happened. You ignored it over and over and over. And if it wasn't the polls for the Dems going bad, here's the reality, boys and girls. Axios, after months of attacks from Trump, support for Black Lives Matter dropped nine points from June now per morning coal suck. But at a question of who voters trust on public safety, Biden leads. So basically you're doing a liberal poll and amongst liberals, you're not even getting the support you used to get. Stephen Miller, it's definitely not the looting or rioting that has caused public support to drop. No, can't be. Or pictures like Jason Harrelton. Single mother owned, please show mercy. This is all I have on her door to her business. Or this, Denver Post. Boulder police said the boy was riding his bicycle with a Trump sign when a woman on a moped saw the sign and turned around to confront the boy. Somebody sums it up. Confront is a strange choice of world for physical assault. Police said the boy was riding his bicycle with a Trump sign when a woman on a moped saw the sign turn around and confront the boy. Boulder Police Spokesman Shauna Albach said the suspect drove up to the boy and said something to the effect, you want something to look at? And used a closed fist to strike the boy in the back of the head and arms four to five times and scratched him. The boy told the police woman then tried to take the sign before leaving the scene. She fled on her moped after confronting the boy. Confronted. That's confronting. Hitting a little boy. Dana Loesch. Pose the question. How does one flee on a moped? Aren't they just souped up mobility scooters? Because that's what they look like. In case you thought you were creating some Roman holiday scene. If you love scooter mopeds, I have a likely unpopular opinions too about what you say for confronted. You're losing the already argument. As we go into our narrative, they're going to try, but they're losing the argument because the violence has been on one side. Because a van, a, a, a convoy of Trump voters going to Portland doesn't change a hundred days of violence. It doesn't. So as our listening assignment, my wife sent me this. I have not listened to it. It's black conservatives. It was under the guise. The media will never publish this. And we'll go into our narrative. It's both any rapper, Snoop Dogg, T.I., whoever, Eminem, whoever won't smoke we with all that. I'm getting tired of low IQ individuals always having an opinion. And that's on gang, let's get it. Hey, hey. one, two, three. 
three into the four. Snoop Dogg, you ain't been hot since 2004. I ain't your normal conservative, cause I'm without smoke. And they go for any rapper, make y'all lock on me to go. Keep trying to reinvent yourself, you in a Snoop line. That's ironic. Every time I hear you talk, Snoop line, then somebody gotta do it. Hold on, let me get him. How he saying Trump is racist, but was taking pictures with him. Said America ain't done nothing for you. Okay, but I swear that you went from game banging to a multi-billionaire. Teaching kids they bit him, don't tell them how music got you here. Capitalism is the why United States is the where. When did Trump become racist? Was it before or after? You was shaking hands with him. Well, it really don't matter. Either you was fake then, or that mean you fake now. Or that mean you want attention because you thought she was a clout. First up at reducing sentences and getting people out. Y'all are praising me, never something he do nothing about. First reformers on the trunk. I mean, he really signing. Now look at the three strike laws and acts who behind it. Look at Crime Bill Joe. And then maybe you find it in the culture out of order. Right now, it need realignment. I'm a coon for supporting Trump. Okay, it's lit, but to support rappers that praise murder. And that make no sense. And you do it too. And it sound good, I must admit. But I'm here to destroy it all until it don't exist. Think about the kids of future, what we put in their minds. Selling dope, having sex, and toting illegal nines. Doing drugs, having baby mamas committing crimes. And it has to evolve. And right now is the time. And let's talk about family, about God, about country. How y'all not a prince? Rappers were able to get some money. More than 99% of white folk in this bunny. You can't play me like you a victim, cause I'm not a dummy. Y'all in Mexico telling people they won't make it out of the hood. Saying if it wasn't for the white man, then they could. I say if it wasn't for that monster, then they could. If it wasn't for that monster, then they could. Y'all in Mexico telling people they won't make it out of the hood. I'm telling them if it wasn't for that monster, then they would. That's okay. I'm with all the smoke. You see me in my MAGA hat, I dare you to try to take mine off. The second amendment is just in case that first one don't work. Ask yourself, who's framing this story? Ask yourself, what are they selling you? I want you to ask yourself that, am I just reflexively accepting that narrative that, remember, stories are not just what we read in books and we see in movies. Stories really do shape our worldview and we cannot let them do so uncritically. With them, this picture went viral of a five-year-old boy in Georgia who was just broken down into tears yeah. while he was learning online. What is your message to, to boys like this one, his mother, and of course he speaks for, for millions? My message is when Joe Biden is elected that he won't be sitting there crying. He will be sitting there with his laptop with a smile on his face. Joe has empathy. He understands what families are going through. Teachers are now having to focus on a syllabus that not uh -huh. only has to deal with talking to children about a pandemic, but also racial inequality and injustice in this mm -hmm. country. What is your message to the black children in a classroom mm -hmm. to remind them that their lives matter. I think that people, especially today, need to have hope that things are going to get better. Joe Biden will heal this country. And Bianca, like you heard in my speech that I made at Brandywine High School, I said, Joe brought our family together and healed our family. And he will do the same for this nation. And that's who Joe Biden is. My final question is just a response to. That is Jill Biden. I got it from Tom Elliott. Jill Biden on a viral photo of a five-year-old crying while trying to do homework from a home computer. If Biden wins, he won't be sitting there crying. 
I did not and will not vote for him. Calm down, replies. If you vote for me, all your wildest dreams will come true. Another reply. He'll be sitting there smiling with a laptop. Is it delusional? If misidentified, why is he crying? Dems really think kids are struggling because they don't have a laptop? It's because they aren't designed to live in isolation. She's essentially confessing the same condition will prevail, but that child will be sitting there with a laptop with a smile on his face because Biden has empathy. Really? Empathy. Want to have empathy? Just one case. U.S. Marshal find 39 missing children in Georgia in Operation Not Forgotten. All together, folks, 59 kids were taken out of child trafficking, and the media was silent on it. Fucking silent. I mean, what the actual fuck? Because you don't want Trump to get anything positive. Your narrative over and over ad nauseum is, he's a douche, but, oh, come on, Biden's the shit. PolitiFact even did this. A new super PAC attacking Joe Biden takes the former vice president's comments of his tax plan out of context. Mostly false. Matt Whitlock, another credible PolitiFact gaslight. The rain in an ad mostly false for saying Biden told the people he was going to raise their taxes. But the ad uses the uncut video of Biden telling man, your tax is going to be raised. <laughs> Shot chaser. Says Joe Biden told America, if you elect me, your tax is going to be cut. Mostly false. If your time is short, Biden didn't say it will raise taxes on everyone. When a member of a crowd said they benefit from Republican-led tax bill, Biden responded, guess what? If you elect me, your taxes are going to be raised. Not cut if you benefited from that. How is that false? Then there's all the lies about him. Tonight, this is Joe Biden. President Trump declined to rebuke violence. He wouldn't even repudiate one of his supporters. Blah, blah, blah. Sean, the producer. Seriously, Biden has been acting as if there weren't even riots for months. And now he's acting if he's a leader on this subject. Michelle Goldberg. And I was going to read it. I'm not going to. Just listen to this heading. If you're a a middle-of-the-road-of-American like me, I may sound conservative because I bash the media as super liberal. But both parties suck. Does this heading make any sense for the New York Times? Opinion. One of the candidates cheer violence. It's not Biden. Trump has urged his fan to mayhem since the first presidential debate. This goes through and is the biggest... Bullshit, flipped, not even in reality fucking op-ed I've ever read. But she's not the only one. Yaker Jaquez reaches, this is from Reuters, reaches all the way back to Trump campaign speech in which progressive claim he said Mexican rapist, which is they're all rapists and murderers. Do you remember that? And Reuters ran another thing. President Trump has responded to the nationwide protest over George Floyd's death by focusing on law and order and urging a militaristic response. On the other hand, Joe Biden has resisted activist calls to defund the police. I'll just read one, one response. This is a lie. Donald Trump and Joe Biden couldn't be more different when it comes to the issue of race in America. 
When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. This guy's more George Wallace than George Washington. And it was wrong. And he's splitting people. Trump has consistently downplayed the role of racism in American life while simultaneously making racist and xenophobic comments. Biden has positioned himself as a crusader for racial justice. He labeled Donald Trump the first racist to become U.S. president and remarks his opponent's re-election campaign quickly rebuked. As nationwide protests raged over unarmed African-Americans killed by police, racial divide has become a central issue in the 2020 election. Trump has responded to the nationwide protests over the death of George Floyd by focusing on law and order and urging a militaristic response. The Republican president signed an executive order to take steps toward police reform. Among others, it bans the use of chokeholds unless an officer's life was in danger. Biden has accused the Trump administration of lax oversight of police departments, accused of civil rights violations. But the former vice president has resisted activist calls to defund the police. Instead, he's promised to invest $300 million in a program that supports hiring more diverse officers and train them to develop less adversarial relationships with communities. Joe Biden initially did not say anything about the defund the police movement. Uh, then he came out and, and said very clearly that he does not support uh, defunding the police. Uh, in fact, he's made an argument that police actually need more funding in order to do a better job. It will not happen. African-American communities have suffered under democratic control. To those I say the following. What do you have to lose by trying something new like Trump? Trump claims he's done more to help African-Americans than his predecessor, Barack Obama, the nation's first black president. He often touts black unemployment, which hit the lowest levels on record before the coronavirus pandemic when talking about his policies on race. I think that one of the key things that you have to talk about with Trump is is this kind of um, question about whether he's trying to play both sides of the issue. He often gets accused of, of race baiting and of making comments that are racially insensitive, racially inflammatory, racist, depending on who you ask. So at the same time that he's made kind of the core arguments for his reelection, how much he's done for the black community, you also have to kind of take the other side of that as well. Um, about some of the remarks that he's made. Biden has called for laws making it easier to sue over wage discrimination. He also said his administration would provide $300 million in grants to cities that reduce discriminatory zoning regulations and create a task force to address why black people disproportionately die from COVID-19. All they can do is lie, 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 lie. And as we, you know, we've done all these fact checks. Here's two sessions of CNN doing these little panels. And the only people that get fact checked, as is the norm, and these are just voters, are voters. And then there's a session where they triple team a Republican. And then there's a session where they just go gaga over his Kenosha speech, Biden's. When they said Trump shouldn't even have gone. Has everyone read the CDC report? 
that just came out, my goodness, it is a fraction of what they originally said. What the CDC says is that 6% of the people who've died from COVID also had comorbidities such as diabetes, but they would still be here today if they hadn't gotten COVID. Well, then we'll, we'll agree to disagree. So just to be clear, Ella, you don't believe that 183,000 Americans have died? Not of COVID, no. I want you to know that I'm a nurse and I've been a nurse for 27 years. And the response to the pandemic has actually been President Trump's greatest achievement. He was the one that closed off all travel at the beginning of February. Do you guys remember what was happening in January? There were no other elected officials that were even thinking about COVID because they were busy doing their impeachment. Joe Biden, he was the vice president for eight years. So why didn't they prepare for a pandemic? They did prepare a pandemic playbook that they, that the Department of Homeland Security under President Obama handed over to the Trump administration. They had a pandemic office, which President Trump shut down. And so they say that they did try to prepare the incoming administration. Uh, I am also uh, a person, I'm a medical information administrator, worked in hospitals for 25 years. And I think President Trump actually has done a pretty good job. I am impressed. I am impressed with how he has garnered the help of the private sector to help indeed get a vaccine going, bringing the PPEs in, developing new ventilators, um, it's all been good. At the moment, President Trump, according to the latest polls, is not doing well with women. Um, I think he has something like a 33 percent of all women approval rate, a 65 percent disapproval rate. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I don't. I don't look at polls. I just talk to the facts. If you watch the RNC as opposed to the DNC, the RNC was filled with people from across this country, people of every race, people of every creed, people of every background, socioeconomic status. And wasn't and they the were DNC all also? I mean, wasn't how, the DNC showing diversity also? No, the, the, DNC, the, D, the DNC was very... Um, I, I mean, I didn't see all of it. I will say that. But all of the clips, I probably watched about two hours of clips. And it was very much the, the attitude is just get rid of President Trump. He tweeted white lives matter and he retreated black lives matter is the symbol of hate. Do you think that those that the fact that he's retweeting support for the 17 year old who's been charged with double homicide, the fact that he's retweeting support at times for white supremacists. Do you think that that helps the unrest? I think it's gotten worse. Um, I, I, I think, and I go back to um, when, when he said there were fine people on both sides. I, I, I just, so basically he was saying that white supremacists were fine people. If you think Donald Trump is a racist, you're not paying attention. And I'll just give you one thing to go look up. Look up the First Step Act if you don't already know what that is and what it has done for the black community that were incarcerated under Joe Biden's and Barack Obama's legislation. The left wants to defund the police and they want to take away our well, guns. What does that do? It only wants. emboldens criminals. I mean, as you know, Joe Biden it said only he doesn't emboldens want criminals. to defund the police. No. Now, Democratic rival Joe Biden on the campaign trail and shrugging off the president's accusations that he's a soft on crime radical. Do I look like a radical socialist with a soft spot for rioters? Really? 
Back on the campaign trail, former Vice President Joe Biden gave a blistering speech Monday in Pittsburgh. Donald Trump has been a toxic presence in our nation for four years. He scoffed at President Trump's claims that Biden is a puppet of the radical left who will defund the police. Do I look like a radical socialist with a soft spot for rioters? Really? Despite misleading claims from the president, Biden did condemn the violence. Yeah, I think that the president had to thread a needle, excuse me, the vice president had to thread a needle yesterday and he executed that perfectly. What we see this morning and what we'll see today is basically an arsonist going to his fire. I'm left wondering, what am I supposed to believe? On the one hand, he says, do I look like I have a soft spot for radicals? And on the other hand, his running mate, Kamala Harris, has tweeted out links asking people to bail them out of jail, the people who've committed violence. And in fact, several staffers on the Biden campaign have done just that. I mean, I don't know. Scott woke up this morning, got coffee, and is deciding to spin stuff that doesn't make any sense. Look, there is a clear difference between rioters. What do you mean it doesn't make sense? Did it happen or it either happened or it didn't? I'm explaining, (laughs) but I'm actually explaining it to you. There's a clear difference between peaceful protesters who are arrested arrested for their civil. The the person who carries the Republican mantle cannot disavow the actions of Cal Rittenhouse. He cannot talk about the fact that that Jacob Blake should not be paralyzed today. So let's talk about that. Let's have a real conversation. How about that, Scott? Not not turn yourself into a pretzel with talking points. Okay. How about that, Scott? About the president not condemning Kyle Rittenhouse, who's charged with shooting two protesters and killing them. Bakari, that if you are going to talk about the Blake case and you're going to talk about Rittenhouse and you're going to talk about all the your, your talking points, the things that you're stuck on a feedback loop on, you have to admit there are nuances to these cases that you're not you're not willing to talk about. The police were called to protect a female sexual assault victim from Blake in the first place. No one wants to talk about it, but it actually happened. There's well, a lot I mean, more I, nuances I, to I, tragedy. But, 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 There's a lot more nuances to this than you're allowing for. Go ahead, no, 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 Allison, if I may, let me let me just be let me be clear, because a, a lot of times you, you want to muddy the waters and you want to sully a victim. And I will not allow that this morning. What I will say, though, is and I'm not going to allow you to sully the whatever, sexual assault whatever, victim. What, she deserves she whatever. deserves information, too. She deserves a this, voice, too. You know, the most amazing part about this conversation is she deserves a voice. Whatever whatever detail you're talking about. But the simple fact is the simple fact is this. <laughs> Jacob Blake did not deserve to have lethal force. And you can laugh at it if you want to. You've asked for for Joe Biden to condemn it. He has. There is a clear violence and protesters. And we condemned it. And the president keeps throwing gasoline on the fire. I mean, Scott, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I know you want to say that Jacob Blake wasn't a perfect person. I don't think that anybody's depicted him as that. But but a warrant even for a sexual assault case, is not a death penalty case. I also don't like it that we're glossing over the fact that the police were called there to protect a woman who had a sexual assault case yeah, against Jacob Blake. I, I mean, he, they, 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 this that, wasn't random. You know, it doesn't they have to end drove, with seven they shots they in the back by. There, there was after a, three minutes. That I don't think Donald Trump cares about the right or wrong here. He doesn't care which one of you uh, got more points in, in this discussion. All he cares about is that the discussion is happening. He wins by pulling the focus to this in uh, coronavirus. And and to an extent, uh, you can see the success that he had. President Trump visited here today over objections from local leaders in an effort to draw attention to destruction from recent protests. But while he was in a meeting with local law enforcement officials today, he refused to answer a question about systemic racism in policing, the issue at the heart of much of the unrest here in Kenosha. And we begin tonight with President Trump in the newest American flashpoint, 
traveling to Kenosha, Wisconsin, amid unrest over the police shooting of Jacob Blake, shot seven times in the back at point-blank range. The president touring areas damaged during protests, meeting business owners hours after comparing the officers involved in the shooting to golfers who, quote, choke, missing a three-foot putt. His visit over the objections of the mayor and the governor, Trump supporters today coming face-to-face with Black Lives Matter demonstrators. Tonight, a presidential visit dividing Kenosha, Wisconsin, a city shaken by unrest, sparked by the police shooting of Jacob Blake. And we're going to help them a lot. Despite pleas from local officials that he stay away, the president used the visit to a key battleground state to press his hardline law and order campaign message. Well, good evening, Nora. Joe Biden found a much different atmosphere here in Kenosha than the president found just two days ago. As you mentioned, their visits were a contrast in mood and in message. It was a quieter trip for the former vice president without the same anxiety or excitement that met the president here two days ago. Well, just as he did with President Trump earlier this week, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers says that he asked Joe Biden not to come to Kenosha today, saying that now is the time for this community to focus on healing, not be distracted by politics. That's a fact check right there, folks. That's you just doing what you always do. There is no standard for the left. The left can say, do, be hypocritical. It doesn't matter. They just get a, they get a fucking pass. DCC comms director. Not only did Republicans vote overwhelmingly against bipartisan police reform, but they are fueling violence violence from the White House. Claire McCaskill. Why isn't there more in-depth coverage of this? Boogaloo and far-right extremists. Here's actually Tim Pool. That sound you hear from the Democrats, that's why them realizing they done fucked up by supporting the riots. They show it's upside down even for them. Upside down. Yet ABC announces special election episode for Blackish. Why the fuck would you do that? Oh, I know, because it's my next soundbite, Black Pander. This is Biden's ad. This is that fucking critical race theory fucking horse shit we talk about because they know they cannot win unless they can get all of the 30% of this country that's black. So they lie to them, they support their violence, when the majority of blacks are no different than the majority of whites. They know this shit's gone too far. Why in this nation do black Americans wake up knowing that they could lose their life in the course of just living their life? Part of the point of freedom is to be free from brutality, from injustice, from racism and all of its manifestations. We have to let people know that we not only understand their struggle, but they understand the fact they deserve to be treated with dignity. They gotta know we're listening. Reforming policing in this country means creating a national standard on use of force and conditioning federal funds for police departments on adoption of that standard. It's about reining in qualified immunity. We hold police officers accountable. Can't turn away. Now is the time for racial justice. I believe with every fiber in my being, we have such an opportunity now to change people's lives for the better. 
It's about who we are, what we believe, and maybe most importantly, who we want to be. And then Joe himself does the old Obama. Get ready for this if he wins. He he actually, as the guy is supposed to be the president of the United States, deal with Putin. Because Trump coddles him. He gets his feelings hurt because he gets a real question. For the first time he did questions. But a real question from a Fox reporter. Thank you also very much for taking the time. Thank you. I know you always ask a hostile question, but go ahead. Uh, I think so. So, uh, you said, and you have said recently, that uh, you warned You said that you warned President Trump in January that there was going to be a pandemic and what needed to be done. If you knew that, then why were you still hosting crowded campaign rallies in March? Now, what I talked about was not what had to be done. What I said, you got to take this seriously. But if we're going to have one constant in our society, it's the media persisting. Ben Shapiro on his pandering. What is the evidence that black Americans, all 42 million of them, wake up knowing that they, have been, they could be just murdered for being black? What is the evidence to justify the proposition? As of 2013, according to Reuters, if you're a black person, your chance of being killed by anyone were 62 in a million. Your chance of being murdered by a white person was 5 in a million. According to the Washington Post database of police shooting, 14 black Americans were shot while unarmed by the police in 2019, which amounts to a rate of 3 in 10 million. Catherine Watson, CBS. Maybe white people should sit this one out. Shapiro, wouldn't your journalisming background require you to actually ask a simple question like, do 42 million black Americans wake up in justified fear of being killed for their race? That seems like a claim worth investigating. It would be if a Republican said it. Stephen Miller. It's fucking, just fucking perfect. Statistics are racist. I mean, that's just what it is. Because that's the thing. You never hear the statistics. They never back it up. They can say whatever they want. I mean, there's an article out. Dem group says the only way they can win is in mail-in ballots. That's a Dem group. But our media, uh, here's just one story before we start closing this out. They said Trump didn't visit the cemetery in France. Atlantic Editor-in-Chief Jeffrey Goldberg name is on everyone's lip today. thanks to a bombshell story about Donald Trump calling, skipping a visit to American military cemetery in France and calling war dead losers in 2018. He talked to multiple sources, you guys. Rob Culley, White House official, sent an image, a redacted email, apparently showing bad weather call, was a deed case or cause for Trump not going there. The opening to the much-discussed Atlantic article and the same events as described in John Bolton's memoir. A senior defense official I just spoke with confirms this story by Jeffrey Goldberg in its entirety, especially the graphs about the late Senator John McCain and former Marine General John Kelly. 
The AP confirms the Atlantic reporting. The AP reporter tweet appeared to go beyond what the AP itself is willing to report. Oh, an anonymous source has confirmed other anonymous sources. You guys know these two formerly reputable reporters just interviewed like three stray cats and Bill Crystal, right? The source of the Atlantic story should go on the record. Otherwise, the president's supporters will largely disbelieve the story. This is that Catherine Watson who says only white people should, should shut the fuck up about black people. We have an important lecture. This is so important. This is just so important. That's the whole point. If it's unverifiable, everyone will just believe whatever they want. He knows that. That's why he printed. Again, folks, this is one of the most unfair reporters out there, and she wants an on-the-record source. Brian Seltzer, it's push-up or shut-up time. I fully understand why sources insist on confidentiality, but those who are in the position to know about Trump's conduct or are unable to speak should do it. Effing Seltzer. We know the story is true because it comports with everything we know about Trump. This is Sarah Longwell. Is responsible journalism with four sources. Still, this is not a moment for anonymity. Do what Miles Taylor USA say. Anonymous sourcing is a plague. It's gone from last resort to standard fare. The Trump era feeding frenzy. Exhibit A. That said, certain people own sufficient credibility to receive benefit of the doubt. Jeffrey Goldberg is not one of them. I realize this is slippery slope. This is Tim Alberta. We're overdue for an industry reckoning over the best practices of the uniform standard. Even so, stars are always going to play by their own rules. If Maggie New York Times writes an A1 bombshell based on 10 blind sources, I won't mind because I know it's accurate. Anyway, here's a blockbuster report for Jeff detailing the president's callous with regard to military sacrifice. Read it. Consider the context. Scrutinize the author. Think critically about who his sources are. It passes every smell test. I'm skeptical of anything reported without an actual source, another person. RBE, actually don't know the story is true. You think the story is true. You hope it is. Martha McCallum, expect the 30-month delay in sources to mighty high mountains stinks to high heaven. Chad Felix Green, this is a statement of faith. It's not journalism. And here is what we just had in their zeal to elect Biden, <clears throat> John Huber, Atlantic, Losergate hoax from an, uh, only anonymous sources contradicted by multiple on-the-record eyewitnesses and contemporaneous email FOIA record, Marine One way off was due to bad weather and testimony of multiple vets' families who met Trump in private and even John Bolton's book, who doesn't say he said it, and he would have because he was trying to make money. Vice, puff video on a police, a Portland Antifa murderer, Far-left communist uncritically allowing himself to claim he killed unarmed Trump supporter in self-defense of people of color, contradicted by multiple video, audio, and incidents where they said, we got him, bang, bang. New York Times article on same Antifa murderer since killed in a police shootout, attacking the victim and using a 10-year felon as a source for the claim that said Antifa murderer was trained in de-escalation and security expert, co-written by Russia collusion hoaxer. It ends with a dumpster fire. And he's spot the fuck on. He is spot on. This is what we're going to have till November. There'll be all sorts of people like the Bill Crystals and the other fucktards coming out with bullshit that has nothing to do with anything. It's not true, but nothing under Trump's era has been 
true. Nothing. <clears throat> They've just made shit up. They do it because they can. I mean, when your whole thing is based on Russia, 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 that took three fucking years and it's proven to be false. Why would anyone believe anything? And then you end camp it with, he is the reason we got COVID. He didn't do enough when you were saying he was a racist for shutting down China travel. You have Nancy Pelosi blowing her very fucking rules. And a media that has ignored violence for three fucking months now trying to pin it on the president. You deserve bad poll numbers. You deserve it all. Which brings us to our soundbite of the day. I've been saying the left built this shit. And then a protester backed me up. Well, my gosh. What can I say except, Debbie, you're going to Paris, and this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's won a million dollars. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of fun when you get to hell. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. When, when Trump, I can loot. I can loot. I can loot all the fuck I want to. You stay looted. I built this. I built this. What gives me the right to steal is because this land was stolen. That's what gives me the right to steal. I steal all the fuck I want to on stolen land. Fuck all y'all. Fuck America. Nice excuse. Fuck you. You leave. It's not your fucking country. You came from Europe. All your fucking ancestors came from Europe. Is it your country? Yeah. Is it your country then? Is it your country? So who should we give it to? So what should we do? Just burn it all down? So how about the, all the old poor black women and dying right now? How's it built? How's it built? So what do we do? What do we do? We are children of Kush. So where are we going? No, no. So where do we go? You get out of here. I know history. Where do we go? Yeah? Yeah? What? I'm not, hey, I'm not a nigga, so I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not a nigga, so I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm never going to be called one. I'm, Af- I'm African. I'm African. I can see. I know my heritage. I you don't know. You don't know what the hell I'm from. You don't know shit I'm from. You go to Africa with that shirt on. Yeah, I, yeah, I did two years ago. Shoot a movie. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. You don't know shit about my background. You know, I actually come from a king. Tell me, I come from a king. You don't have to hear me. Go read it. Go read it. Got a chicken butt. I've been there. You go there. I've been there. I've been there. My family's there. What are you talking about? My family's there, homie. I'm talking to you too. I'm talking to you too. You don't know you. You don't know who I am. Okay, I'm from I'm from the continent that we try to get closer. So I'm from the continent. No, that's your facts. No, that's your facts. That's your facts. No, no, that's your facts. And where do you get it from? Tell me the book you get it from. It is from the book of. From what? If you go over there and talk to the elders, they will. That's not. It's called. It's a book. It's called from a book called. If you go over there, they will tell you. Ask me. I'm asking you. What's the? Give me the information. Elder, somebody who has more knowledge than me. Give me. Then what's the information? Why do you trust? Why do you trust that? 
Why do you trust that? Why do you trust that? Why do you trust that, but you can't give me anything? Hey, we are. We are. Thank you. Yes, I do too. I got no. I didn't visit. I'm from there, homie. My family's from there, brother. That's your fucking roots. I know. Oh yeah, you don't matter. But you're saying it, so it's true. It's out of your mouth. Who's never been on the in Africa at all? But it's true. It's your mouth. Fuck the name Africa. Oh, you know them. Okay, I can call it my aunt, my cousin, my mom. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Oh, then it doesn't matter. So unless there's people, you know that's the only thing that matters? That's the only truth? What are we talking about? What are we trying to do here? What are we trying to do? What's up there? Okay, so do you care about all the kids? Yeah, okay, so. We don't hate you. We don't hate you. What are you talking? Yeah, yeah, we hate racists too. We hate racists too. We hate racists too. We hate racists too. We hate racists too, brother. Hey, after what happened last week, my bad, my bad. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. this country. You got a good shot. Wait, wait. 38. Somebody who's steady calling a virus, China virus. Is that what you're worried about? You know, no, is that what you're worried about? There we go. Okay. Is, but is that what you're worried about? I know. Spanish flu. Is that no, but, but you're worried. No, wait, 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 wait. You said you're worried about. The, wait, 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 wait. You're worried about. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Hold on. Let me ask you a question. You're worried about the guy that died last week. Where was all this when those 38 kids were killed in Chicago in July with the defund the police bullshit? People die all the time. No, oh, oh, people die all the time. You guys won't come out. You won't come out when baby die, babies die. But when a criminal gets shot, people, now that's when you're going to come out? 38 babies in July in Chicago. 38, 38, 30, yes, yes. Where are you at? I can show you, I can show you faces. Yes, and I'm talking about it. I'm talking about it. What about, who's killing those black babies? Who's killing those black babies? Ten month old shot. Ten month old shot around the corner of my Trump. Who? Trump got, shot in South Side of Chicago. This shit started in 2010. This shit started in 2010. It's on the news. He got kids. The Pope. All that shit. It's all In 2010, Rahm Emanuel shut down 50 schools in the South Side of Chicago. The following year, it was more murders in the South Side of Chicago than New York and kids. Combined. So what? What? what do you, yeah. What do you mean? Am I talking about kids? That matters to me. Why does that matter to you? All of it matters. Yeah. So why are we burning it down for one guy? No, but thirty-eight. I have to go higher. Oh, yeah. You ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, I haven't seen oh, nothing no, yet. Yeah. Why are you threatening this stuff? No. What's the point for what? Do you want to live in garbage? No. Do you want to live in garbage? Yeah. Why would you do that? One more. They got. They got one more time to kill them. Let me see. Okay. Wait. Okay. Wait. I'm gonna do it early. Okay. I'm gonna do it early. All right. What about? Do you know George? I'm gonna do it early. They got. Do you know George Parker? Do you know George Parker? George Parker. George Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Parker. Here, guys. Here's some news. George Parker. He was killed. No one knows about him. Uh, let me see here. Leslin King. No one knows. All this Chicago. All this Chicago. Wait a minute. Where's the bomb? Look, uh, uh, all right. Ronell Durr. He was 21. Wait a second. Wait a second. Oh, no one's talking about him, right? David Strunk. What? How come we're not talking about him? He's 30 years old. How are we talking about? Aaron Moore, huh? That was the Chicago. All, all July. All July, what we got? Oh my God, this is a 17-year-old Anderson. Let me see what else. Oh, we got a 16-year-old. I can't say his first name, but he's the last name Anderson. 16 years old. No, where were you guys? Oh, nowhere, nowhere. 19-year-old Ambrose. Ambrose, that's me. Look at Ambrose. 17. 15 years old Ambrose. Nothing. All July. All July. What we else we got? 18 year old Antonio. Nothing. Nothing. We didn't see you guys there. Anything. What is it? Who else? Oh wait. We got Alvarado. 16. See all July. All July. 16 year old. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, we got Tanika. We show. 20 years old. 
All July. Hold on, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, we got Vaughn, 20. Vaughn's 20. Now, all July. Wait, who else do we got? Who else do we got? We got Robert, 19. He's 19 years old. All July. Who else we got? We got, yeah, yeah, we got Lauren. Right here, 14-year-old boy. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Hey, Damon. Damon looking good. Looking good. So, so where are we? Where are we? Because I'm waiting for you guys. Because I'm down, I'm down to fight the power too, but if y'all ain't getting out for these people either, exactly. where are we? Exactly. Where are we? This shit is fake. It's selected. Exactly. This shit is fake and you're being used. Yep. Oh, another 18-year-old. Another 18-year-old yep. dead. Another 19-year-old black male. Black boy. Dead. Before he's 21, 11-year-old black boy. Dead. Where's LeBron? Yeah, where's LeBron? Where's all the shit? NBA is shutting out for none of this shit. I'm done. They have it. That's it. Well said, I would have to say. BLM walked away um, after that, so uh, I love that guy. So um, there you have it. That was facts, and it was well said. And then the gods of podcasting gave me a super gift today. Our This Is America lead voice is Brooke Baldwin. And we have two sound bites of them just squeeing over Biden's Kenosha. And then MSNBC basically doing what MSNBC does, which is always say, uh, yeah, um, um, he can only win this way. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. Joe Biden there in Kenosha speaking to members of the community there. You could hear him addressing, you know, point by point by point on his notes, uh, you know, just just questions, concerns from from folks there who have been able to speak up about, you know, their children and education and mental illness and the health and the, the prison system. But I want to go back just briefly. I mean, obviously, he's there in the wake of the, the Jacob Blake shooting. He's met with the family today and he was mentioning Charlottesville. And again, you know, when Joe Biden announced he wanted to run for president, what did he say? He wants to fight for the soul of this nation. And that is precisely what he is trying to do in making his case to become the next president of the United States. You know, I, I think in many ways this was a fact-checking from Joe Biden for many of the things that we have heard Donald Trump say over these last couple of years. He talked, for instance, uh, about fracking and Joe Biden uh, not being against fracking in the way that Donald Trump uh, has said he is. He also, I thought, expanded uh, the topic beyond criminal justice and beyond what we're seeing in places like uh, Kenosha, places like uh, Portland as well. He basically talked about the uh, ACA, American uh, the, the Affordable Care Act, uh, he talked about Social Security. He also talked about crime. Uh, he also talked about soldiers not necessarily feeling like they're safe uh, either in, in the theaters of war. So, so I thought in that way he, he really expanded it and said none of this uh, will be safe. The economy's not safe in, Joe, in, in uh, Donald Trump's America. Your Social Security isn't going to be safe in Donald Trump's America. You could also tell that he was specifically uh, at one point in this speech reaching out to Catholic voters, citing John, uh, Pope John Paul 
Paul uh, II, who's one of, I think, probably the most beloved uh, pope, particularly among older uh, Catholics, because you saw in, in last week, you saw Donald Trump use Lou Holtz uh, to go after Joe Biden's uh, Catholic faith. So I think in that way, you see in these Midwestern states, particularly their older uh, white Catholics, uh, who uh, might find some affinity for Joe Biden because he's a Catholic as well. So I thought that was uh, really telling. And also, I think we know that Joe Biden thinks he had to make this speech because of where uh, Donald Trump has been over these last couple of days with that convention, not necessarily changing minds, uh, but certainly setting this frame. Another key thing he said in this, uh, which was, you know me, you know my heart. Do I look like someone who is going to be captive of radical socialists? Do I look like somebody who's going to back up a so the president can't campaign on the economy. He can't campaign on his handling of the coronavirus. So he's apparently taking a page out of his old playbook, which is stoking fear and division. That does appear to be what's happening, Jeff. And, and by the way, Kellyanne Conway's comments there, she's not the only one in, in Trump's orbit who believes that. And in my reporting over the last couple of days with a number of Trump advisors, uh, they feel that, that this continued unrest uh, in Kenosha, in Portland, potentially in other cities later into the fall, is only going to help Trump politically uh, what they are trying to do, and they're very clear about it. They're trying to scare uh, women voters, white women voters in the suburbs who supported Donald Trump in 2016, but who uh, went with Democrats in the 2018 midterms, and they're trying to bring them back into the fold and, and make them fearful uh, of, of what this unrest would mean going forward. And, and to do so, the president's going to be reiterating that law and order message and, and make people feel like he's the only one who can bring, uh, bring some order to the streets. Of course, Joe Biden is not the president. This is all happening on Trump's watch. And all you have to do is look at the president's Twitter feed to see how he is trying to instigate uh, some of the conflict playing out across our country. And Phil, to Michael Steele's great point, I mean, this is actually borne out in polling data. There's new polling that shows white Americans in battleground states and places like Wisconsin may not be, they're not as supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement as they were earlier this summer in the immediate aftermath of the police killing of George Floyd. Now, part of this, and this is just my own opinion, is that Black Lives Matter, that, that movement is being applied to protesters broadly and inappropriately, and the actual message is being drowned out by people who might be social justice demonstrators, but they're not really Black Lives Matter uh, affiliated. God, they're fucking so predictable, and they wonder why their ratings and the polling and everything is going downhill. It's because you just keep lying, and Americans aren't fucking stupid. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, Tuna Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down, and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the face, uh, Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. We don't have Facebook anymore. We'll go with our next show uh, Tuesday, 8th. September, year of our Lord, 2020. It's crack day. We'll do a short show. And it's going to be woke. I've been bookmarking woke stuff and getting woke sound bites to get woke. And I haven't been able to do with all the violence. So we'll do a woke one. Until then, make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yes. Tune in Tuesday for another show. We're going to end, like I said we are, with our ending that will play until election day. 
As a protester said in the soundbite of the day, and I've said since this all started, the Dems built it. Don't hook them up with power. They don't deserve it. Take care. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, we kick How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terrorist threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. But even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution are, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And part of the challenge we have as a nation is that a significant swath of Americans still support Donald Trump. They support his vision of America, and that is rooted in racism. It is rooted in a desire for power at the expense of everyone who is black and brown. And so what we have in this problem is a, is a, is a spiritual kind of tyranny of the worst impulses, uh, you know, as uh, Dr. Meacham said, um, you, know, nar- you know, sort of weaponizing narcissism. That will send a shockwave through this country. And Donald Trump may not accept the results, but who gives a shit? Because the rest of the country will be forced to. I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police in the fucking grave. I'm at the point where I want to burn the fucking White House down. I want to take it to the senator. I want to take it to the Congress. I want to take the fight to them. And at the end of the day, if they ain't going to hear us, we burn them the fuck down.
Cheers, man. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thank you.